0: They talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, talking all of this madness, they talking all of they talking all of they talking all of this madness. Hello
1: everybody and welcome back to the Mad Madness Wrestling Podcast. I'm I'm your host, Ron Pashery, here with my good friends, ek 2 fly Eric Trembicki, Preptagon Jr., Josh Prep Aguina, ooh yeah, (laughs) and Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. Formerly known as my best friend. Yes. Formerly known. <laughs> Better known. I was going to say, did something happen that I'm not aware of?
0: No, I was making a mess. I couldn't get my wording. <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, we have Battleground coming up this weekend, which I believe everyone that's a part of Matt Madness is going to be at. Uh, normally, I would kick off with SmackDown first. The biggest story in wrestling was Kurt Angle. Uh, that's been teased for all this time, but before we get into that, uh, we have an interview with Simon Grimm. Uh, former NXT Tag Team Champion with the Vaude Villains. That will be coming up as soon as we finish talking about Raw. Uh, also, listen to Falls Count Anywhere, The Perfect Edge. We have an unsanctioned coming out on Friday with Ryan Ravel, who works up at Stanford, Connecticut, as a production assistant for WWE. Monday, we have another unsanctioned coming out with the bad boy of Singapore Pro Wrestling, Velvet Thunder. Check that out on Monday. If you listen to the show, if you like the show, subscribe. Five-star reviews, we appreciate it. It's a huge help to us. Uh, With that being said, let's get into Monday Night Raw. Kurt Angle has been agonizing with Corey Graves over something that could tear his life apart, ruin his life. Was teased for weeks, it was teased for the first two hours of the show before he finally came out and announced it was not an affair with Stephanie McMahon or Dixie Carter. It was an illegitimate child in Jason Jordan, which was teased on this show, what, last week? Yes. Yep. So,
2: what does everybody think? I mean, <clears throat> that was, I guess it's the better pick because at least we know Jason Jordan's going to get some shine since they made such a big deal out of the angle. hmm But, um... I don't like the fact that like Kurt Angle's gushing over Jason Jordan as much as Mike Kanellis is gushing over Maria Kanellis. <laughs> so I mean, it is what it is. I just want to see Jason Jordan on my TV wrestling. I can care less about who his dad is. So,
3: Halo. Well, I can't. I'm not going. I can't really judge this as a whole right now because it's it's a progression progression storyline. So you have to kind of. Wait a few months down the road to actually actually judge this, because the last time we got this, it was Hornswoggle. But it was supposed to be um, Mr. Candy at the time, but like like I said last week, if anybody could pull off an illegitimate kid, child angles, card angle, like even him crying right after he said Jason Jordan mm-hmm. last week, just like those small little details that he could pull this off. Like I also, also about, talked about last week. I could see like little segments of them like. Maybe hopefully go into a carnival and say, "Hey, you want to toss the whole pigskin around?" <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, have you ever kissed a girl? Or
4: something like
3: just obnoxious things like that. But I don't think you'll be, you you really won't be able to judge this as a, as a whole until a few months down the road. I'm interested to see where they go. Would it, would it be a heel turn out of this? Will he get some somewhat of a push? I think I can see him doing quickly. Is if the Miz is done with Rollins and Ambrose, maybe toss with the Miz, and the Miz can kind of like push that whole Kurt Angle wasn't around thing. I think that would be interesting. Yeah. And Jason Jordan has come a long way because remember, in NXT before Chad Gable, Jason Jordan, he was bouncing around. He had no kind of personality or any charisma at all. But being with Chad Gable actually brought out some personality in him. And maybe even with Kurt Angle, with Chad Gable going, Kurt Angle can actually get probably more out of Jason Jordan and his wrestling will do the talking in the little backstage segments where Angle can actually get that personality uh, Mm -hmm. just like Chad
0: Gable did. Yeah. Eck, your thoughts? I guess I got mixed emotions about it. I I know kind of the um, back guess of it not being uh, an affair. Everyone's thinking, you know, illegitimate son. I I guess because you know it's just such a far fetched idea, and it's someone that I feel like you've seen in interviews saying, you know, uh, American Alpha saying how they emulate Kurt Angle and Team Angle and, you know, being fans, and then it's like all of a sudden, oh, I'm a fan of this guy, but now he's my dad. Mm -hmm. I I guess that maybe if it was someone completely new, not someone that's already, you know, won titles in NXT and WWE, I, I hope they do something well with it. I, I love the idea, and, you know, they get to it uh, with the interview with Renee Young. I love the idea where you would think, you know, this is dad, is the boss. Like, I expect to see the favoritism. Mm-hmm. Uh, my best friend points out a really good point. I mean, if you were to pair him up with Miz, I mean, you're telling me this guy's a former tag team champion, he comes in, you haven't seen him or unless it's, like, against one of the Usos, you haven't seen him in a one-on-one one match, Yeah. so you're going to see him right in the mix for the Intercontinental Championship, I think that's awesome. Or if not, like, put them there or make a joke of, all right, here, you're going to be in this fatal four-way match, and if you win, you're facing Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Like, I like the joke concept of that, that Angle should force his now son right into the screen on everyone. So I'm hoping the best for it. You know, I, I want to be optimistic. Yeah. So
1: my thoughts are, one... Eric Bischoff came out last week saying I already know what it is, it's Dixie Carter So Eric Bischoff, you were wrong uh, Put that in your pipe and smoke it To uh, <laughs> maybe paraphrase X-Pac Maybe he just wanted to surprise you Maybe, I don't think he did I think he was tooting his own horn like he knows what's going on And he doesn't um, So I was happy that he was wrong I'm glad you're paying attention to what he's saying yeah. <laughs> um, I also appreciate WWE At the very least Taking a risk with this story like, they play it safe so much. I talked about this last week. So it was good. They were like, hey, let's try something that's a little different from what we normally do. They teased it for a month. It was, you know, interspersed throughout every episode of Raw. And then it ended up being not the thing that everybody thought of Because I think everybody on Monday thought, oh, it's just going to be Dixie Carter.
4: And it wasn't. So I was Stephanie, happy that it wasn't.
0: I mean, Stephanie was obviously
1: a high favorite. She's yeah. already worn Raw. Yeah.
0: Now,
3: after the whole... because. I mentioned this on Instagram. I was talking to Elite Collector. The fact that they plugged uh, immediately after Raw, go to WWE Network, exclusive interview, I knew it was a child because there's nothing else really that important to talk about yeah. at that point.
1: I, uh, well, that's another thing. So, one, I'm not judging whether this is good or not. Obviously, I agree with you, Alo. You guys, I think, all pretty much said that. Like, just basically have to wait to see where it
0: goes yeah, to really judge it. I'll be honest. I, I was surprised. I know, like, you know, there was... Polls on social media saying, you know, what do you think it was going to be? I was convinced it was going to be Stephanie or Dixie. I, yeah. I mean, that's what I figured. You know, the illegitimate son, I
1: was definitely in the back of my eyes. Um, i would guess 70% of people thought it was going to be one of those two things. I think 70% of the people thought it
0: was going to be Stephanie or, or mm-hmm. Dixie. Uh, I, yeah.
3: Sorry to cut you off, but I don't think Triple H, my, you know, yeah, Hunter, first name basis, <laughs>
0: he wouldn't allow a storyline with that to lead to a match with Stephanie. That's Kramer how I felt with about Stephanie. it. Well, so, uh, yes, I know, but I mean, the obvious dirt sheet, which I know you've read multiple times, the thing that would make sense, Angle wants to compete in a WWE ring again. The safest way, and they want to do it safe, the safest way to make sure he's going to go, they're going to want to put him in someone. They're going to want to put him, you would think, I mean, Taker's gone, Rock's not doing it. They're going to want to put it with somebody that's, I don't want to just say part-time, but somebody that maybe he's been in there with. And I don't even want to consider Styles and Joe. I would think he would go towards something with Triple H, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know, the big thing they got everywhere is that they want to put him in a match with Triple H, make sure he's safe, and then he could go do his next thing. So as, much, as predictable as it was, I don't want to say I'd hate it because – you know, I think even Angle said he hasn't faced Triple H since two thousand, so he would love another match with him. Oh yeah, I mean, it is two thousand all over again. Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. But see, I have no doubt he'll he'll face Triple H. It's just the fact that I knew that I, I knew that they wouldn't let that be, the the, the thing that starts their so called robbery. Well, I mean, you do know everything. Yeah,
1: I I, I, I try. I, I didn't believe they would put Stephanie in that position, like especially I just, now. If this was like seventeen years, two thousand all over again, yeah, it would have been. But um. But, yeah, I think Kurt's performance was great. I think Corey Graves played a great part through all of this. I thought Jason Jordan did a really good job. And, like, for him, this has got to be, like, a really weird storyline to be thrown in. Like, I got to pretend like this guy's my dad. Yeah. Like, I'm not adopted. I have real. Like, my actual birth parents are my parents. And he did a good job. I got to pretend like this guy's my dad. He did a good job. I mean, as much as we're focusing on
0: angle, I mean, obviously, angle could play off this, whether it would have been. Something with an affair, his wife, whatever. He can cry. He cried every time he won a championship. Mm-hmm. He cried when he lost. So him crying or that, I wasn't surprised at all. But you know, um, you know, as you would say, tip to the, the old <laughs> to, uh, Jordan. Jordan. I mean, he he did his thing and he he played to the moment. He played to the story.
1: Yeah, I thought they they did a good job with what was presented. Then it was presented about as good as it could have been, and now it's like we kind of got to kind of wait and see what happens. Did anybody see Russell
3: and Twitter say? See, the, did you see the meme where it says, "When Jason Jordan was conceived, and Angle's like hanging, staring over Charmel." Charmel, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I Love like Booker's <laughs> on commentary, <laughs> do you think that crossed Booker's
0: mind at all? <laughs> like, no. Wait a minute. Because then he's wondering how Jason Jordan is not 12 years old. Yeah, that's true. Was not does not fit the time. I know. It's just... It's just it's it is. And then, and then, but the, I love the also one where it says, Chad Gable's angle son as well because yeah.
1: Stephanie's the mom. <laughs> well, Daniel Bryan said something about that on Twitter. He said, said, like, like hey, different. son.
3: Everybody did. It was so good. Because even um, Scott Dawson did it with um, art Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> so I had to
1: talk to my mom. Tommy Dreamer did it with Hornswoggle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, everybody had fun with it. It got a ton of attention, which is good. The ratings were up, which is also good for them. Uh, and I thought the interview with Renee Young was a good touch. Me and
0: Baby Mom might come out and tell Prep that he's actually our kid. Yeah,
3: <laughs> the Miz might have some news for you.
2: <laughs> you guys are pretty similar.
0: <laughs> the hell, you we're, were like five years apart.
1: <laughs> Don't make no sense. Um, Renee Young, I thought, did a good job with the interview. She's an incredible asset for WWE. So, yeah, Ronnie versus the world. (laughs) Yes. I think everybody who knows me may have thought I was going to go towards Ryback. Hey, big guy, you're not even worth it. So sit back, (laughs) relax, you know, talk about girls the way you want to, but you're not even worth my time. Ronnie versus the world. I said last week, the WWE has no soul left. It's all surface. It's all... Like the most basic stuff. There's no heart or soul left to WWE. One of the few places that had it was Talking Smack. It was unscripted. It was people getting to add layers to their characters that we didn't get to see on the actual show. A lot of stories progressed on SmackDown. A lot of people became on Talking Smack. A lot of people became bigger stars because of Talking Smack. To me, this is one of the most foolish decisions they've made in years because there was no negative to having Talking Smack. It was only positive. And I just don't see why. It's cheap to make. Everybody's already there. I just don't see what the upside is to not doing it anymore. So, yeah, WWE, what the hell is wrong with you? I want to chime in on that Just because as
0: much as I think I know at least the three of you I can almost speak for everyone that's ever been associated With the Mad Madness Network I think I'm the only one that's actually not a fan Of The Miz mm-hmm. But until Talking Smack None of you guys were half the fan
2: You were of The Miz Hmm I was That's a fucking lie I, I could like agree that. Sorry for you. Beck, You're <laughs> right on my part I was a fan, but I did become a bigger fan yeah, of
1: Yeah, I was a fan of Miz,
2: yeah. I didn't like, like the Miz till Damian Mizdale.
1: That's when I started to come around on him a little bit. And then when I became a fan was all the work he was putting in when AJ first came in. Because he helped a lot with that AJ-Jericho feud. He played a big part in that AJ-Jericho feud. He played a big part when they weren't letting AJ talk. He was actually helping... Uh, to kind of not talk for AJ but he Hins was like yeah, he was running AJ down which kind of got AJ over even more but yeah The Miz on Talking Smack was great and he got to shine a lot of people got to shine on that show a lot it's just really foolish to me that he would take that avenue away because like, I feel like SmackDown, the go-home show for Battleground, nothing really even happened. Nope. Well, and, but imagine, so talking Smack afterwards, then something would have happened. And again, to continue your rant, I mean, just that
0: point right there of nothing happening, I know going into any, I, I would say, specifically maybe Backlash last year, anytime there was a pay-per-view strictly for SmackDown, If you got invested in it to the go-home show, by the time Talking Smack was done, Talking Smack was done. You were were more invested. So, you know, over the past week, as the card built for Battleground, I'm like, oh, okay, it's in Philadelphia. I'm going to be there live. I'm more excited for it. But at the end of the day, there's that little bit of buildup. I mean, there's Talking Smack. I mean, how many times was the women's division not on SmackDown, but something got to happen on Talking Mm -hmm. Smack? How many times was... I would say three or four weeks. The you know they add new tag belts. There's a tag division. The tag division disappears, and the only thing the tag division has is talking smack. So with that small, and obviously we wish Raw had the same window, but it's a smaller window of two hours for SmackDown, and that extra 20, 25 minutes meant a lot to them, and now it's gone. Yeah, and as
1: somebody who has been on this show multiple times, talking about too much content. To me, that was a show that was worth the time. Well, listen, before my best friend takes the reins,
0: I'm just going to say, I know our boy uh, Brian James will be listening to this episode. Brian, I know you're heavily involved with SmackDown. This is something to fix.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... It's kind of too late in the game to kind of cancel t- Talking Smack. If you want to cancel, you should have canceled it, when it around when it first started. Because that's, that's what I would think. Because It's like, okay, we have this new thing. We're going to see if it's successful or whatnot and it became a success so you are it now for what like all the rumors saying oh, well, the well the the streams the live streams weren't high enough or whatever Vince they like the realism of realism of it but you got the realism at the beginning of it so why are you canceling it now and then to compare it to raw raw is this three-hour show that does nothing is talking smack Smack fans a two-hour show and we you get Talking Smack, that's another half hour. So it's kind of like a somewhat of a continuation. And it actually builds fuel. Talking Smack has been better than Raw, I'd say, half the time in most cases. So you take away half an hour of a platform for SmackDown, and it's going to make it suffer. But they're, they're going to keep it for pay-per-views, But just like Raw, talk, uh, Raw has Raw talk. But don't do that. Don't take away Talking Smack now because Talking
1: Smack was actually a success for you. Not to mention, what the hell are you going to put on that's going to get watched more than that?
2: Vengeance, two thousand two. Yeah, they're just gonna reap. That's what bugs me about this. The one show that's like fresh, like you get, like we say, like we all said, the talent that doesn't get put on the show, you can put on there, or if you have an angle, you can further the angle on the show. Like this is this is nothing but bad for the show now. Like now they're gonna cram stuff into two hours. And it's it's not gonna be as fresh as it is when you had talking smack. Like I understand, like some of the talking smack episodes I watch, and I'm like, this doesn't need to be on. But like, but that's rare. Yeah, very rare. It's just
0: like we've been getting the show for just shy of a year, yeah. ten months maybe, and it's rare that you think, all right, that was a 20 minute waste. I would think this maybe happened twice.
2: Yeah, I mean, sometimes Daniel Bryan, he Maybe. can joke around, you know, and stuff like that, where I'm like, all right, Bryan, like, I get it. But the yeah.
3: thing is, you're at, least wait, you're at least waiting for one person on Talking Smack, whether it be The Miz or Kevin Owens or whoever. You're always waiting for that one person. And that one person makes Talking Smack with because Talking Smack isn't, like, an hour show. It's a 20-minute to a 30-minute show. So if one guy's going there for 10 minutes, h- half your time is already
1: satisfied.
2: Yeah. How much did it do for Baron when he... Like, hurt Sami Zayn on the yeah. show. Like, you can't do stuff like that now.
1: Yeah, somebody gets screwed up. A lot. Carmella attacking Nikki Bella. Yeah. Carmella was nothing on that show, unfortunately. She attacked Nikki Bella on Talking Smack with her brother-in-law sitting right there. And she was important the next week. Like, stuff happened on Talking Smack that was a lot of times more important than what happened on SmackDown. I don't know. Does anybody see where there's any positive that comes out of this? Not one. No. No, yeah,
2: it's impossible. Well, at least we're getting to talking smack on Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's true. So, I, And not to mention... They, think, they should talk to us. Is it possibly because Raw Talk sucks so bad?
2: Raw Talk
0: is really Well, I, I mean, it, you know, we've talked about how over-flooded the Raw, Raw roster is. And obviously we're going to get to it when we get to SmackDown. The main event picture is so dim on SmackDown. The singles c- competition is the mid card title mm-hmm. and then everything that they built up, they took to Raw and then Raw really gave up nothing heavy. So at the same time, I mean it it's one of those things. Anything that SmackDown is doing good and that that really has to go back to the old man Vince. I mean he's gotta be sort of there. Tuesday night show is doing better. Right, he's got to pass it back. It's, it's pretty much where's the ball at? Right, let's take this away.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like it's something petty, is why it's not there anymore. Um, but moving on to the rest of Raw, we had the main event Samoa Joe versus Roman Reigns, number one contenders match for a shot to face Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I thought this was a really good match. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knew how this was going to end. Braun Strowman was going to get involved. He did. I thought he was in the hospital. Well, did he even go to the hospital?
2: Did they ever even say if he went to the hospital? They left it nice and blank for
0: him. They said he was under the care of someone until further notice.
1: Okay, I don't even remember that. Um, But Braun gets involved. Braun shows how dominant he is. He shows that he's the hero of Monday Night Raw. Uh... I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed the main event segment. And I, Am I getting my uh, four-way monster movie for SummerSlam? Is that... And I they haven't announced it yet, but. They have not, and an, Kurt
0: Angle addressed post-Raw that he will address the universal title picture coming
1: next week. I think Fatal 4 is the best way to go. It is. Does anybody want to see anything other than that Fatal 4? Nope. Because I'm not even the biggest uh, fan of these matches. But I mean, I want to see, see Joe.
2: I, I, I want to see Joe versus Brock again. But, <laughs> I want to see
1: the title change. I would love
0: to see Brock and Joe again if there's a title change
2: in touch. Yep. Listen, I think we can be getting a title change sooner than later with all the news that's coming out about Brock I, I now.
1: Think that he wants to go fight in UFC
2: again. And well do
1: know coming.
2: He threw himself back into the pool for the USADA testing.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, rumors are now circulating that he's not going to resign after WrestleMania next year. The only thing I see: the sooner they get the title off him, the better. He never loses anything from a loss, so he can lose this pay-per-view, and just go on. He can still face Roman at Mania and put Roman over, and everything will be dandy like they wanted.
1: And nothing about him being a draw is tied to him being their champion.
2: It doesn't exactly, matter. his championship reign doesn't matter.
1: Now, am I the
0: only one that looks at it? And again, maybe you know if you go into stats since. Guerrero pinned them in February in 02? 03? 04. So 13 years ago, Guerrero pinned them for a title. Since then, he's never lost the title by pinfall. Mm-hmm. fall. You know, we
2: covered that on False Count Anywhere.
0: Thing is, here, what are they going to do? I mean, if this fade a fatal four way, that's the easy out. Mm-hmm. Roman could take a pin, Joe could take a pin, Braun could take a pin. But where are they gonna go? I want Braun. To, Braun needs to take a loss. I mean, the credibility. I mean, Goldberg's smacked him around. So you got someone you know double his age beating him up. Joe took it to him, but Joe doesn't get the win. Joe, you know, loses after the F five. Joe deserves to either beat him. Roman deserves to beat him for the title, or that's the greatest push they can do for Strowman. Mm-hmm. I just hope they don't take the easy out. By letting one of the other three take a pin to change the title. Well, you know that's gonna happen. <laughs> I know it. I'm just gonna let me be hopeful. You,
3: you know that's <laughs> gonna happen. Like I said, I would love that monster match, that monster match, fatal War, because at the same time, that's what you do want to see. Because whether you like it or not, we always say WWE has is they've lost their way in creating the stars, but they created a star in Braun Strowman. The pop he get, remember he got booed with the Wyatt family. He was he was horrible. Yeah. The reactions he gets now is ridiculous. He's portrayed as a heel, but he's like a savior when it comes to Raw. And the way he just de- destroyed Joe and Roman was was great. I, I love the physicality of it. He just manhandled them. And the week before, those two were portrayed as the two biggest monsters. Joe was the monster who took it to Brock. Now, Matt, the way he and LeBron manhandling Roman and Joe, imagine what he could do to Brock. So they're actually like kind of playing out in your mind. Like, this guy took out these two guys. What can you do to Brock? And I think we will end up getting that or 4 way match.
1: Yeah, I I believe so, too. I don't think there's any other way to go. And it's rare that I think that's the way to go. But in this case, it absolutely is. Uh, Intercontinental Championship. So Seth and Dean are mixed in with The Miz. Dean's still mad with Seth for turning on the shield. Seth comes out, apologizes. For the first time. For the first time. Says, I love that he at least said, like, basically, dude, it's been three years. Like, let it go. Because it has been a long time. He, offered up, long yeah, he offered up his back, you know, hit me with the chair. Dean didn't do it. I was kind of hoping that Dean would be like, nope, you know what, I'll do it when you least expect it. Like, almost letting that hang over his head. Like, I didn't know it was coming when you did it to me, so you're not going to know when it's coming when I do it to you. Obviously, he didn't do it. The Miztourage comes out, beats them down. We now get a two-versus-three handicap match next week. Is anybody excited about what's going on right now with well, I am. all these I, guys? I,
0: I am, and I'm going to channel that back with a question. Are you not liking that they're getting on? No, well, I'm fine with it. I One, I think it's something different for... Did you enjoy the segment? Yeah. I would say, aside from, obviously, Kurt Angle's... You know, Mm storyline And it was assumed That Strowman would get involved I thought this was The highlight of Raw To an extent Or at least it was The most interesting thing Obviously I would think Majority of fans these days Are invested If not one If not two All three Of the original You know, S.H.I.E.L.D. members so you know, you seeing those two get back along. You saw Roman and Seth get along for a little bit. Roman and Dean never really didn't get along. Mm-hmm. So seeing them actually finally bury the hatchet on Raw, I mean, that's something I feel like the majority of fans are obviously gonna be invested in. It was it was the right way, I think, to get the ball in motion for the show. And I'm looking forward to that match next week. I almost feel like you know Seth may be regretting going into the uh, <laughs> a handicap match, but you know Dean speaks for
1: their craziness. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought it was well done. Like I said, I'm glad that they addressed the issue. and Maybe now it could be put behind us. I think it's something good for the other three guys to be doing. And anything to just keep another one-on-one Dean versus the Miz match, I'm all for. Brett, what do you think about it?
2: I could take it or leave it. (laughs) Uh, The only thing I don't like is that now that Seth is in this program, Bray goes to Finn. But... (laughs) Whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be nice to see Seth as IC champ, but as long as he's a face and cutting these really lame promos, I could care less about him.
0: Yeah. It, promos are lame, but I don't think I mean, he's you know he's a te- he's not a terrible speaker. I mean, you actually f- could you see some realism when he was trying to put the you know bury the hatchet with them at least. Yeah,
3: and that's that's always my. He's point. not.
1: He's not bad at it.
3: No, him. but see, that's my. There's nothing like as Ron would say with Dean Ambrose, there's no substance for anything. He's like, he just comes out and does something goofy. And I always say, Seth brings out the best in him. Like, even last week, that little backstage seven, that was the best thing he did in months. Better than hope the feud with the Miz. This segment was better than his whole feud with the Miz. Just that because it was because there's actually something for him to go off of. When Dean Ambrose has a feud with anybody, there's
0: nothing for him to go off of. So, so obviously, he, he needs Seth in his corner. So, when they're going to this, you know, maybe. Obviously, we all we all like to point it out, even weeks when I'm not here, I'm the biggest fan on the network of Dean, mm-hmm. so I'm actually sitting there wondering, well, his character, and we point this out all the time, his character is supposed to be that he's crazy, but what what what's happening here that he's crazy? You're thinking he's crazy? I'm thinking he's actually going to hit him with the chair, if, if you're going to go off his character, so he doesn't hit him with the chair. He throws the chair down, and then I'm like, oh, okay. His finishing move is a DDT. He's gonna give him a DDT because what does he do typically? If he has a feud with The Miz, or Styles, or Cena, whenever he comes he'll come out, he'll hit his DDT, and he'll leave. Mm-hmm. Quick, quick in and out. So I'm almost hoping, I'm thinking, okay, he threw a chair down. Damn, he's still gonna. This is his poke at Seth, and maybe next week they'll get along or later down the show, but it doesn't happen. But obviously, you know, pointing to what Aaron says, I mean. You know, Seth did bring out something better, or it could be that Randy Orton syndrome of he's actually invested in the storyline, and that's why he's performing better. Yeah,
3: because it's because he's with Seth. Now, see what you just hit on. I would love if next, because Ambrose is the one who asked for his handicap match. I would love if he just hit Seth with a chair in the back, because that gives him something. Because that was their, that was they talked about talked about it this week. Seth was like, "You know what, hit me? I'll, I'll turn it back to you. Hit me. That's something for the grass one, and something to revisit next with um th- next week." if they do go that way. it actually gives Dean Ambrose an edge because he never has an edge. And in The Miz, is he's, he's a weasel heel. And I, and if it's about the Intercontinental title, you can actually make it about the Intercontinental title because Ambrose still has a gripe and Rollins still has a thing with The Miz too because after a few weeks ago on, on Miz, whatever his show is, Miz TV. And
0: I, I like the idea, and obviously, uh, you know, you can make the argument on any of them. Obviously, you know, they make it out that Roman's the, the golden child from mm-hmm. The Shield. Um, who, all three of them are one step away from hitting um, a Grand Slam. Who do you think of the
1: three would be the first one to get it? I mean, um, my feeling would have always been that Roman would be the one to get it, but I don't see it being him.
3: It would probably be Seth, because Seth only needs an IC title.
0: Yeah, I, him and Roman both need IC, or Dean would need a, a tag title. Mm hmm. I mean, I think it would be cool if they could both push them both to getting towards that, obviously, if Seth could tag with, uh, or Dean would tag with Seth, but it obviously does look like Rollins would be the first one if, if he would get it. That's what I would think.
1: Uh, I'm looking forward to see where it goes. I would definitely like it if Dean did take an opportunity to hit him with the chair. Like I said, that was my hope. Like, you know what, it's too easy. I'll do it. Like, yeah, we could be cool or whatever, but I'm going to get you one of these times. I kind of like the idea of that like hanging over his over Seth's head. Like, At some point, he's going to get me. So we might see it next week. Who knows? But I don't um, think we see it, because if we see it, then you got to almost think they're going to lead
0: to a feud.
3: Yeah, but they're They're all three together. So it's still like, all about the Miz. Cause he gets throw turn on Seth and be like, I'm so i done with you, Miz. And Ron just ha- can have a gripe with both of them, but Ambrose Moore. And the Miz could just kind of like be there and make it about something. To an extent, because it can actually be about the title a bit.
1: Yeah, well, we'll see next week what happens. It, I like that this is a match that's announced already, though, because they do not do that nearly often. We've enough. Got a couple matches announced for next
4: mm-hmm.
1: week. Uh, We have women's division: Bailey against Alexa Bliss. Nia and Sasha get involved. Bailey gets the pin on Alexa, leading to Sasha and Bailey both wanting a shot at SummerSlam. This is another thing I thought was good. I love when Angle, at this point, he's so frustrated. Obviously, we've all been there. We've got something bothering us, and somebody wants to talk to us about something else, and we just have no time for it. I like that Angle's like, so impatient with everything else because of his announcement, that he just kind of blows it off. You guys will decide it next week. We get a number one contenders match, Sasha and Bailey. My fear with this is does Nia just get involved with this match and we have the same thing as with the men's championship? That, that was my thing. That my, we end up in a fatal four, four-way with these four? I said that last week. because I, I, I I'm i always thinking it's going to be a triple threat. Oh, it can be a triple
3: threat, but I think it's like, what about Nia? Because all of a sudden, Alexa got herself counted out of a women's title match with Nia, or disqualified, whatever she did. Yeah, disqualified. And now Nia just all buddy-buddy with Alexa out of nowhere. is like... Okay, didn't then she, then she get disqualified on purpose against you? And you're not mad anymore? Mm-hmm. What I see happening is Alexa and Nia interfering and they play that whole dumb, I don't got to defend the title anymore. Yeah. What nobody won. And it'll just be Sasha versus Bailey versus Alexa. But then what do you do with Nia? Do you just have Nia in her corner? Does Nia get a match
1: with Alexa prior to that or what? Yeah, I don't know. Prep, what do you think is about to happen?
2: I mean the dirt sheets are reporting that it's going to be a singles match. There was originally going to be a four way match, but now it's going to be a singles match. So, I mean, I don't say know who it's going to be. It didn't say that, but I mean, I I think it still should be a four way. I think all these girls deser- deserve to be in the title match cuz you know, SummerSlam's just like Mania, they want to get everybody on the card. But um, if it's anybody, it'll probably be just Sasha if it's just one person. that's I'm, just my opinion.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, uh, yeah, I would hope it's gonna be, I, you figure that's the we've seen enough Bailey and Alexa, and if I mean Rawl's next swing for a big match is gonna be SummerSlam. You know, that that's the money feud that we haven't really seen being Sasha and Alexa. It makes sense to go in that direction. And at least that way right after if the title changes, Bailey can either preach either way I deserve to face the champion mm-hmm. I, I beat the previous champion multiple times I never got a chance so we're best friends let me face you Sasha or okay cool you beat my best friend but I beat you twice my best friend beat me less a couple weeks ago so now I get a chance against you but we got everyone forced down, forced down our throats at Mania, whether it be the Raw Division or the SmackDown yeah. Division. SummerSlam, we're going to see both shows in house. We don't need the same thing happening again. Let's see.
3: I I would love a triple threat match because we haven't seen that match yet. And remember a few weeks ago I said Bailey's all with in at the, at, the, at the bottom of the depths, and then they actually brought it back up, she beat Alexa, Alexa Bliss twice. And now Sasha Hard, they are kind of like yeah, I should be number no one contender. No, I should be number no one contender. So, I think this match ends in disqualification, and you can actually like kind of get that, that button of the heads between Sasha and Alexa um Bailey again, because when we got that few months back, but that never came to fruition at all, and Alexa being the Weasel heel in you know, in Sasha. Came, Always said, she wants a title. And Bayley wants, Bayley wants a title back, too. So maybe you can actually get something out of this. And a true threat match is something new, whether you, whether you like it or not. I mean, it's is the fact that where is Nia Jax going to play into this role? Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm still feeling like it's going to be a fatal four-way. I believe it's a singles match when I see it. I kind of would prefer that. But, I don't, again, time will tell. we got a couple months to go. Uh, tag team division... Dash and Dawson gave an interview which I loved. I can remember being in prep in your brother's car mm-hmm. on the way home from Mania, I believe, saying I really hope Dash and Dawson are the ones to dethrone the Hardys because their whole gimmick is basically like who else would they rather beat than the Hardys. So I love that they said, you know, the no no flips, just fists. Nobody's done more flipping around here than the Hardys. I enjoyed that. They how beat Dash good and Dawson.
2: Scott on the mic. Yeah, he's oh great. My
1: God. And how great was Dash's bump out of the ring? <laughs> I actually rewound it four times.
2: You know what's funny? I didn't live tweet Raw, but there are a few things that I did tweet about, and that was definitely one of them. Like what, I thought his that bump? was Yeah, his bump <laughs> out of the ring. I was like, Are you kidding me? I was like, but that's great. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. I loved
1: it. Uh, I guess, you know, Dash and Dawson get the win. When do we see the Broken Hardys? It's obviously coming. How long are we gonna have to wait?
3: Remember last week I talked about. Remember last week I said I wanted this match to happen this week, mm-hmm. but I did want the club to jump the Hardys the same way to did to the Hardys the week prior, so we can kind of like get them off TV for, yeah. a, for a week or so, so you can actually like build up like where are the Hardys, like what's going on with the Hardys. Nobody's seen or heard from the Hardys, so. I'm not sure where they go again because Cesaro and Sheamus weren't on TV again, so maybe that could actually maybe the Hardys can get attacked again next week or something. Because I don't, I don't think you need a reason to just automatically become broken, and not just you lose a couple matches. I think you have to like be taken to that whole level to become broken. So maybe those three teams take out the Hardys. Who knows?
0: So we discussed with the women's division and obviously with the Universal Picture, multi-man matches. I think the only multi-man match. Oh, Obviously, never mind. I will contradict kind of myself. <laughs> it, it, it makes sense to happen with a fatal four-way. If you're gonna do it two times, skip the women's division. Go to the tag division. Um, there's four teams that are in that picture to an extent. Uh, the revival could win. The Hardys could take the loss. Sheamus is due to go away. Um, I was thinking maybe it was gonna ha- It'll happen this coming raw. I think if it's not this coming Raw uh, I think it was last week um, Jeff tweeted something about a date but I think it actually has something to do with his uh, music band mm-hmm. but I thought oh okay that's when his con- the contract's good with Anthem and GFW TNA Jarrett whatever but you know stuff's going up and down on social media Jarrett's stalling out trying to not let them do it whatever I think they're gonna you know they should run with it but Aaron makes the best point I mean it's it doesn't make sense, you know, they lose to the two teams. Anderson and Gallows beat them. The Revival beat them. Now they're broken. Yeah. Okay, this will be their third opportunity to win the Raw tag titles back and they lose. Kind of a reason to get be broken. Yeah, it's happening soon. Yeah. I, I almost feel like, and it'll make more sense that, you know, the sign, I think there was a sign this past week on, um, in the crowd on Raw. You know, saying, you know, we want Revy and this and that. I think when the time comes, they'll bring Matt's uh, wife invo- uh, involved. And if you were sitting next to me in December at uh, House of Hardcore... You'd be you know, a big fan of that. You know I'm a fan. <laughs> yeah. I'm invested.
3: You mean September.
0: <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. We're not talking about House of
2: Hardcore dates for residents, rest of the night. You know what? I don't think... Even when they're broken, I don't think we'll ever see Revy Hardy... No. I think she's too much of a like hothead. Yeah. Liability. And, yeah, she's definitely a liability because they see what she does with TNA, and they're like, "Wow, she's yeah. really gonna wipe the floor with us." <laughs> yeah, I agree. I don't, we'll never see Rebbe. She's Puerto Rican too. You know, I know about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't think we'll
3: see any Rebbe at all.
2: I mean, I wouldn't shame. complain if she's on my TV. Really what I want to see is his son. His son's hilarious. Yeah, oh, like
3: Him doing the delete thing is the cutest <laughs> thing. I <swear> to
2: God. <laughs> I'm looking forward to
1: seeing it. I'm, and I'm glad that they're playing it up more. You know, on TV, on social media. Uh, I'm just looking forward to us finally getting there. It's been, what, five months? Four months since we've seen them come back just about. Mm-hmm. We're at yeah. the end of July. Just about four months. I'm ready for it. I've been ready for it since they got there, but I'm really ready for it now.
2: Yeah, they need something.
1: Um, cruiserweights. Tazawa gets called out by Javari. Except, first of all, I really enjoy Titus Worldwide like hanging out in the locker room together. Worldwide? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I did like, like that they said it together.
1: Yeah, I like that they're really playing up them as like a team. Um, Davari obviously destroys Tazawa's shoulder. Titus throws in the towel. Tazawa's pretty upset about it, but then Titus kind of sells him on like I did it for you, I did it for your for next week, next month, next year, your entire future. And then Tazawa wants another match on 205 Live, which I'm assuming did that happen?
2: Uh, or no? Not that I know of. Does not anybody know?
1: I didn't watch 205 Live, so I'm not sure. We I leave that to False Count anywhere. I. uh... I do like what they're doing with Tozawa, though.
2: Me too, yeah. That, I think, I don't know, like, everybody always comes at me when I say how good Titus O'Neal is doing for these guys, but I think that he's bringing those guys a lot of personality. I, I think he is as well, but
0: don't you think of with the storyline? I mean, I'm immediately thinking, like, oh, geez, Titus is about to lose him, or at least that's what they want you to think, and if so, cool, it's, it's working for me, at least. I'm like, you know, he's leaving, he's pissed, I mean... That should leave Zao a reason why he doesn't want him.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that's going to happen, only because this has been going on for a couple months now, right? And, like, I remember I talked about this, I think, last week, how much I was enjoying it when Titus would lose a match and Apollo was laughing at him. Like, kind of making light of him, but ultimately, Titus is actually in the storyline helping these guys. So I, I think they're I think they're trying to actually run with this as opposed to have it blow up in his face. I'm like I, I'm you know not only
0: a fan of it I'm always wondering like, who's next. <laughs> I'm looking forward to him having <laughs> ha, having a champion. Like, it's gonna happen sooner I, I, or later. I, I and I'm not knocking Tozawa. I like him. I don't want him to be the one to
1: to turn up. Yeah I don't think he's going to be i I really don't. I haven't watched enough 205 Live to know for sure. I still think it's Cedric Alexander, but I don't really know. Uh, we had Gallagher and Mustafa Ali over Brian Kendrick and Drew Gulak. I was glad to see the No Fly Zone make it to Raw. Finally, um, yeah. <laughs> Are any of these guys going? Well, Mustafa Ali is is the one that I guess is going to go somewhere.
2: Yeah, I think I. I personally think that he's the one to defraud on Neville. Their match was great I, I said it last week I, I really enjoyed their match they had it it was so good that they did it two weeks in a row and his like his work with drew gulak right now like I think drew gulak is so good like he plays that character so yeah. well so you got to give it to him for really bringing life into a division that's kind of dead
1: mm-hmm halo any thoughts on any of this where was Neville <laughs> <laughs> I guess he uh, had a week off.
3: Yeah, but, but I don't really have much to say about this because it's hard to care about the Cruiserweight division on Raw because they don't do anything with these guys. It's like they, they, like, they fill you in shortly on, about from 205 Live, but
1: there's nothing like going on with them. You know what it's kind of turned into? Remember how a lot of times the Divas matches would just be like an advertisement for Total Divas? Yeah, there you These go. have become an advertisement for 205 yeah. Live on Raw. That's kind of what it's been reduced to on Raw. Um,
2: It's a good comparison. Which is a (laughs) shame because there's so much talent.
1: Yeah. There is. Um, We had Finn against Elias Sampson again. Elias awkwardly smashed a guitar over the side of his head. Better than Jeff Jarrett. (laughs) I I, I enjoyed it. Me too. I I too. I was shocked that he hit him in the head. I don't know if he was supposed to. I don't know if he's supposed to hit him flat on top of the head and he just missed. Or his back or whatever. I don't yeah. know. He hit him about as awkwardly as you could hit somebody with a guitar, though. Uh, and then we get a no DQ match between the two of them next week. Are either of you, any of you anxious to see this next week? Prep, I'll start with you. Uh, let me chime in yeah. real quick just to go with a, uh, a backtrack
4: direction.
0: Mm-hmm. I didn't even know we had that match next week. Um, good thing 205 Lives does have, which I appreciate. Some of these matches I haven't got to see. I love that at least they're they give us stipulation matches. Yeah, I mean you get no disqualification, I quit matches. I'm just gonna chime that in. Uh, as far as a rematch, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I really hope Balor's going over if due to the way the match ends, he's going into a storyline with Bray. I don't like how Elias looks like the aggressor. Balor. You know gets his head smashed by a guitar and then here's bray yeah that made no sense talking to a wall you know with another one of his creepy promos it it doesn't make sense like he didn't come out there he didn't cost them the match he didn't cost them a moment to get
1: distracted get hit by a guitar yeah, so. he played no factor yeah. in what happened. Yeah, because I, I remember last he week... He just kind of tried to take credit for
3: it. Yeah, because last week <laughs> I was like, I think Bray's going to face Finn Balor. And then this match ends, I'm like, okay, this is going to continue for at least another week. Yeah, Bray, why? I'm like, for wh- why? <laughs> this is this is still a thing. Why why are you here now? Next week when the feud's over, fine. But why? what
1: place do you have now?
2: Yeah, I don't know. That's the one thing that worries me, like... Like, they've been building up Balor so strong, obviously, and now he's he's going into a feud with Bray, but at the same time, finishing a feud with Elias. So, I mean, all I can see is Elias going over Finn because of Bray. Yeah. That way you keep them both strong, and they can just part ways, Yeah. You know?
3: Yeah, but they messed up the, the shot factor because they did this on Raw.
2: Yeah, they, they had no part to yeah. be Like, why couldn't they just wait till next week? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But I think they're like, oh, maybe we don't want to follow the formula of, you know, our Bray Wyatt. Like, we always bring him out at the end. You hear the whatever it is, mm-hmm. the screen stop and him yell, and then he's in the middle of the ring. Yeah. Every time. Like, oh, maybe we should switch it up.
1: Well, I'm fine with switching it up, but I, I do think that it was... It's boring. It was out of place. Yeah. It, it just didn't feel like it belonged there. Um, we had Enzo cut a promo on Cass. Big Show comes out. Cass takes him out. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Enzo's promo was too
3: long. Mm-hmm. I didn't care after a while. Um. Cass beating up the Big Show was too long.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah, That. I can echo his sentiment. I, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, I usually like Enzo's promos, but I think I just want them to split already because it's like got, it doesn't need to he, go he any just, farther. He, he already got squashed. Mm-hmm. He
0: got squashed, and he's gonna continue to look weak. And not only that, he's not only unless they're gonna take him away from the in-ring portion and actually put him as a manager, how people want him to. I mean, you got him getting beat, and then now it's like. I talk, I'm this tough, I'm not scared. If you beat me down, I get back up, but let me get my, my bodyguard. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's not helping him at
1: all. No. Yeah, like him... There's like a disconnect with him talking about how tough he is all the time, and it's like, it's not doing you any good. You can be as tough as you want, but you're just going to continue losing. And not to mention, he really is not good in the ring. Like, I've been saying for a year now, if he's in a singles match, I'm fast-forwarding it because I have no desire to watch it. And I always think he's going to get himself killed <laughs> every time. Uh, anybody with any more thoughts on Raw?
2: No, I mean, throwaway episode besides the angle and the... The, the, the show angle, view. angle, and then the, the show. angle at the end.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> I would say I, I would also give a little credit to the show reunion. Yeah,
1: Halo. I'm looking forward to the Jason Angle Elite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jason Angle. Do you think we ever get Jason Angle? I would love it. We've had it on Wikipedia.
3: I, I <laughs> just how happy Kurt. I can I see Kurt just being ecstatic. He's like, "I'm gonna take your last name, Dad." <laughs> <But> you're
4: kidding. <laughs> you're kidding.
1: <laughs> All right. So before we move on to, Smackdown, I want him oh, to sorry. start drinking milk. Oh God, that'd uh, be great.
3: At the bar drinking milk.
1: That would be awesome. Oh, good. Yes, a bar drinking milk. Yeah. That's the funny part of it. That's the fun part of it. Yeah, I would love to see that. So that concludes Raw. Before we get to SmackDown, I guess it's time to bring in our guest. Uh, you know him as one half of the former NXT Tag Team Champs, Vaude Villains. Uh, he was a former number one tag team contender on SmackDown. Uh, current on the independent scene, Simon Grimm. You're here with Ron and Aaron. How are you doing tonight?
5: I am doing splendid. Thank you for having me, Ron and Aaron, respectively. Yes, well
1: thank you for, thank being, you for here being here with here. us. It is uh, a pleasure for us to uh, to get to speak with you. Um first thing I'll say, you uh you've been out of WWE for I believe a little over a hundred days now, is that correct?
5: I believe so. I know I know my, my ninety day ended uh this past week. Well I guess uh no not not quite a hundred days, about ninety, yeah, because it was a little it was uh my ninety just ended. Oh no, no, you know what? I am totally forgot. Yeah, it's been almost <laughs> two weeks now you see as soon as i get back to wrestling i start losing all sense of time it, That's how it always goes is that you blink and all of a sudden three months have passed and you're like oh wait what have i been doing
1: <laughs> yeah well it, it uh makes sense that you lose track of time uh, i'm sure it was a uh, it's been a weird hundred days uh before we get into everything you're doing now and everything you've done in the last few years the first thing i ask everyone who comes on the show what is it that made you fall in love with pro wrestling
5: uh well um i started watching wrestling when i was three years old Uh, myself and my older brother we used to watch the saturday sunday wwf shows on Mm -hmm. usa so you know saturday morning cartoons would end and then we'd watch uh wrestling and it's always been a part of my life and there's not really been a point where i hadn't had a fascination with it um mind you there was a period where i wasn't watching as thoroughly as i should have been just because Mm -hmm. my older brother and i like i said it was a it was a bonding thing for us and he had fallen out of touch with wrestling Mm -hmm. and Cause it wasn't the cool thing to like so there were a few years where i didn't watch all that uh, religiously um and I'd, I'd always liked it and then when i was 17 uh me and him we'd actually rebonded oddly enough in high school over uh, <laughs> professional wrestling and we, like, like i said there's a few years we didn't really get along and then it was uh wrestling actually got us working you know back on the same page because mm-hmm. we really had nothing in common at that point and it started because it was this was during the attitude era so you know um I'd be watching Raw, and at first, he was making fun of me for watching wrestling again because he's my big brother, and that's what he <laughs> does. And then he saw The Rock, and he's like, oh, man, that guy's funny. <laughs> next week, he was like, hey, is The Rock on? I was like, uh, no, I'll tell you what he's on. Okay, cool. <laughs> that eventually, he started watching, and he actually got back into wrestling, and he really enjoys it now. Um, but uh, in 2000, uh, right after high school, uh, ECW came to California, where I'm from. They did the Heat Wave 2000 pay-per-view. So we decided we were gonna, you know, we'll load up my '85 uh, Mustang, <laughs>
4: wow. we'll
5: dri- drive, we'll drive down to LA, and we'll we'll go see the show.
4: Uh-huh.
5: I blow a head gasket <laughs> and crack the engine block halfway there. <laughs> you have to hop a Greyhound. Um, I broke my foot somehow in the process, <laughs> and I, you know, like, I'm limping the whole day, and I can't figure out why, and it's just, like hurting so bad. And I get home a few days later, I get my, I, I go to the doctor, and they're like, "Yeah, hey, you have a broken foot." Well, I had a fracture in the top of my foot. Wow. I have no idea when it happened. Uh, So we go to the pay-per-view, and this is when Rob Van Dam debuted the Van Terminator. Mm -hmm. And it got this huge pop, and when it happened, I looked around, and I just saw all these people cheering out of their seats and saying, I just went, I want to do this for the rest of my life. This is it.
1: So that moment, you knew that's what you wanted to
4: do.
5: Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I think I loved wrestling from pretty much as far far back as I could remember. Mm-hmm. But that was when I decided I wanted to do it, and that, that nothing was going to stop me from doing it.
1: So now, The Rock, before he became the uh, legend and the humanitarian that he is now, he brought two brothers back together. Is <laughs> part of the moral of that story.
5: Yeah, exactly. The Rock is a man who who bridges gaps. <laughs> that, that is, I think, what he's <laughs> when, when When the Fast and the Furious franchise started to get away from you know. Uh, a semi-homoerotic story about people stealing cars and you can't tell me that isn't a love story about between two dudes that Paul Walker, and, Paul Walker and, and Vin Diesel had some steamy stuff going on there that's oh, yeah. right on the surface but you can feel it
1: <laughs> so, the, and so you said The Rock brought that, that series back on track
5: he brought the action back to it he bridged <laughs> the gap between the romance that they had already and the action they were missing you know he, he bridges gaps that's what he does
1: I guess that's what he's best at
5: yeah, I mean when when people are are unsure of what to do and where, where politics is going. I mean, we have a a mentally unstable man child in in the president's office.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: you know, who, how do we bridge the gap between people's desire to have someone who isn't a politician
1: and someone who actually and cares who isn't about isn't a people. complete
5: moron. And the answer <laughs> yeah. is the rock.
1: <laughs> or bridging the gap between fake news and, and real
5: news. <laughs> you cannot tell me that Kim Jong Un would not have the utmost respect for the rock. <laughs>
1: Oh, he absolutely—he loves American pop culture. Of course, he would love The Rock.
5: Exactly. He loved. He brought Dennis Rodman in. You can't tell me he would. You, you can't tell me, he would absolutely, just fall in love with being able to hang out with The Rock for a few days.
4: Yeah, that's a he huge would probably,
5: step up. Yeah, he'd give. He'd give up all of, of Korea's uh, nuclear weapons just to hang out with The Rock. <laughs> for are actually get the inspectors in there. I you think know, we need
1: to talk to somebody about getting The Rock to actually seriously consider doing this for our nation.
5: Everyone loves him. <laughs> Who loves The Rock at this point? In all seriousness.
1: No, you're right. But, he is universally beloved. Yeah. I mean, even Schwarzenegger has
5: some enemies, but nope. <laughs> <everyone
1: loved him. laughs> um, next thing I wanted to get into you were in the pro wrestling game, I believe, for over a decade before you ended up in NXT. Is that correct? Yeah, uh,
5: 12 years to be precise.
1: 12 years. So you were on the indie scene. I'm assuming there's a lot of freedom uh, on the independence. Was there anything about going to nxt and then shortly after you arrived being at the performance center that was kind of tough for you to adjust to
5: um only that i wasn't used to being told what to do that much mm-hmm. um getting micromanaged the way we were especially when the pc initially opened it was very different than it is than it wound up being uh about a year in uh with the with the management shift and everything mm-hmm. but uh it, it was like going from being how do i put this it's like going from being your own boss to being in a corporate environment where you're being told everything you're doing is wrong. Not because it's actually wrong, but because the people who are telling you need to seem like they're, you know, doing their job, yeah. <laughs> which they, they're not hundred percent sure what their job is, but they know if they tell you you're doing your job wrong, it seems like they're doing their job. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like uh, I used to use a catchphrase, damn manly. That was the thing I'd used on the indies. And that was the thing I'd use when I initially got the NXT. Mm-hmm. And then there was a whole situation where, uh, and one night, like three or four people swore in promos. The only one I really remember was Sami Zayn said shit during a promo. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was, uh, and it became a big thing where we couldn't swear anymore. So I had to change it to quite manly.
1: Wow, so that that's where that change came from.
5: Yeah, it, telling, it was because <laughs> you're yeah. telling
1: me this is almost the equivalent of like carrying a clipboard at an office job. Is just people telling you you're doing something wrong to make it look like they're doing their job.
5: Yeah. Which is weird because they hire, for the most part, I mean, I understand if you're if you're dealing with guys who have no experience, but when you're hiring fully trained wrestlers who've been working, you know, nationally or internationally for years, it's like, look at a guy like Chris Hero. What, like Chris Hero, you put him in the PC, what is Chris Hero going to learn? What does what Chris Hero need to learn? This guy's worked at the highest level in Japan, in Europe, in America. What does Chris here need to learn? Some basic things that involve... I mean, maybe some stuff that has to do with like, camera angles. It has to do with like the pacing of the show and how... like, okay, When you do your entrance, there's going to be an amount of time where the announcers are talking. Da, 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 things like this. That. like, there's certain things he can learn, but at the same time... You hired him because he was a world-traveled, fully-trained, experienced professional wrestler. And then you <laughs> get him there and he doesn't know how to wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> that seems contradictory.
1: It does. I'd assume that that's probably... Like a culture shock to a lot of these guys that do come from the Indies, especially, like you said, guys that have kind of had a whole career before they get there.
5: Oh, yeah. I mean, and and once again, if you've only been training for a few years, you know, you're two, three years in, I see why you just like, you kind of blindly follow. And I I freely admit I did too. I absolutely gave up any agency I had as soon as I got there. I, I bought into the whole, you know, if you're here day one, it's day one for you. It doesn't matter if you've been doing this for a year or five years or 50 years, it's day one and I absolutely should never have done that I should have <laughs> never bought it. I should. The, they, like I said they hire you because you have confidence and personality and the first thing they do is try and strip you of your confidence and your personality Yeah. Now, so the... it's, it's a bad oh go
1: ahead
5: oh no no that was it
1: oh so what I was going to say is did you did you do that mostly because maybe it was okay this is WWE I kind of have to do this did you do this because you thought it was the right thing to do uh, what, like, what was your mindset in kind of stripping all that stuff when you got there?
5: Uh, mostly just fear of getting fired. Okay. Um, <laughs> it, 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 in all honesty, it was more presented to us that we were expendable um, and that we could be fired at any moment, hmm. uh, everyone in the company. So uh, to give you an example, one of the big speeches we'd get from Canyon Seaman, who is the head of uh, talent relations, or not head of talent relations, but who was in charge of hiring for the most part, was there are no more careers in developmental. You could be here for three months and be gone. And that was how it was always presented to us. Mind you, I wound up being in developmental for, I believe, three years. Yeah. So <laughs> I had a bit of a career in developmental. <laughs>
4: and, and,
5: so it becomes that thing where you realize, well, yeah, they, what they're saying is if they can fire you at three months. Realistically, they're not investing all this time and money in you to fire you. That's not what they want. That's not their goal. So you kind of have to go in there with that confidence to look, the, look down the barrel of the gun and say, look, you're either going to shoot me or you're not. If you're not going <laughs> to shoot me, let me get back to
1: work. <laughs> Now, before we get into specific parts of your NXT career, uh, speaking of the Performance Center, I, I mentioned to you before we started recording, I was at the first all-access visit at the Performance Center. Uh, it was a really cool day. You were one of the first people I met there, actually. Uh, you and Aiden were the tag team champs at the time. You greeted everyone as they came in. I'm from Philadelphia, and the first thing you did when you, you asked me where I was from, now the Pope was visiting here that weekend, so you asked me if I had seen the Pope. I said no. I got out of town before he got there. You asked me if I had ever seen a boys to men show. <laughs> I think you asked me maybe what my favorite cheesesteak was, and I was like, oh, this is cool that he's trying to relate to me based on where I'm from. And most of the questions you asked me, Aiden had no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and You had to keep explaining to him why you were asking me. Um, oh yeah. Are you more? Are you just more worldly than Aiden?
5: <laughs> no, I. How can I put this? If there's one thing I'm very good at, it's almost. It might be the uh, best way to describe it is verbal sleight of hand. Okay. <laughs> I, I know I know what questions to ask and to elicit the longest response I can from a person, mm-hmm. and what sort of basic. like try to have a little bit of knowledge of everything. And most people, all they want to do is talk. Yeah. So if you ask them a little question and give them the freedom to speak, they'll do it, and they'll they'll hold the conversation for you. You don't really have to have anything any knowledge of what you're talking about. You just have to know a little bit. I I mean. I know they're the two big I even told you I think I know they're the two big uh, places to go for cheesesteaks in Philly and you're either on one side or the other and I've heard people argue I couldn't even tell you what the two are but I know there are two yeah. I, I I only know the, I think I even brought up the, the boys to men thing I even told you I only knew it because of always sunny in Philadelphia and I you think Ryan
4: Katz
5: Ryan Katz actually backed me up because I, 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 don't know if I think Aiden said something about it he's all yeah boys to men they're huge in Philly that's where they're from and, but that was my thing. It's that I, I try to pick up all the little things I can on various, various topics just so I can speak to anyone on anything.
1: Yes. Now, for future reference, if you speak to anyone from Philadelphia anytime soon, uh, it's Pat's and Geno's. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so now you know.
5: Now, where's the smart money? Is it Pat's or Geno's?
1: Uh, I, I, I always preferred Pat's. I really don't like either anymore. Um, oh. But if I was choosing between the two, it would definitely be Pat's
5: okay i think i ate at gino's is that the one right like underneath the train tracks by uh by the 2300 arena
1: it, it is no that is john's roast pork right there oh no that's tony luke's
5: tony luke's is the one i ate at yeah
1: okay tony luke's is much better than than pats and gino's you you made a smart choice going there
5: i had no say in it it was just where everyone, <laughs> <laughs> so i just went, okay we're going for cheesesteaks cool
1: <laughs> whoever made the choice made the right choice uh Aaron, <laughs> I yes i did
3: so um so you were part of NXT, NXT's boom period, where in a short time it became the hottest thing in professional wrestling. What was the feeling like being a part of that? Because it quickly took
4: off.
5: Um, honestly, it was not the. It, it was nice when we started getting to go out more. Um, people don't realize how dismal the NXT draw was for a long time. A lot of the smaller house <laughs> shows we did in in Florida could be. There was one I remember them telling me. I think it might have been when it was still FCW, mm-hmm. but. Uh, there was one where legit they drew 13 people wow wow <laughs> and, uh and this is a code with, like seth rollins and bray wyatt and all these guys on the show <laughs> <laughs> they're on the main roster but they drew like 13 people if you if you're familiar with travis tyler who was in nxt for a while he's actually back on the indies now uh he does some great stuff he's a he's generally a hilarious human being he's finally been able to harness that for his <laughs> wrestling but uh travis uh, i think his dad was literally one side of the ring <laughs> it's three sides, and his dad chose to sit on one side by himself. I think they, I think there was a guy they punished by making him do the autograph signing there because he like he yelled about something, and they were like, "Okay, well, you can do the autograph signing." And uh, I can't remember the city. It was actually one of our worst ones. We were I was so glad when we finally stopped doing it. It's a city in Florida where they execute people. Oh, so there's wow. nothing. There's like nothing there but the small town and the prison. And legit, it, it's this miserable little armory and we would draw, it was like, even when we were in the boom period, we were still drawing like, I think 200 people was like the maximum we ever got there.
1: So those 200 people, were they a good crowd or was it, were they just as dismal as, as the city seemed?
5: They were, they were better. Okay. <laughs> they, were, they were, they were better when we got to that number because, but that was also at the point when we started having more people coming in from outside areas to see the show specifically. So that helped a lot. But, uh, when we started doing stuff like the, uh, Arnold classic and the uh, shows, those first few shows in Ohio, then going to Brooklyn, um, uh, doing the little NXT loops, going to Europe. When we started doing stuff like that, it was when it actually got exciting because you felt like you were a pro wrestler again. You didn't feel like you were still, you know, in the smallest of the small indie scene because you're working in front of, you know, 150 people in Lakeland.
1: Hmm. So that, that's interesting. So a, a lot of it, like us as outsiders are watching NXT every Wednesday night thinking, wow, this is great. This is the best thing in wrestling right now. It was being billed as the fastest, hottest brand in wrestling. But, like, you guys on the inside, it didn't really feel like that. To yeah, me. I never thought about it that
4: way.
5: <laughs> well, it didn't in certain ways. Like I said, when we would go out and do stuff, like the big stuff, the the, the, the festivals we did, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Arnold Classic, like, that's when it felt like it. Mm-hmm. But you, when you go back home and you're doing, you know, like I said, you're doing Lakeland or uh, Crystal River or any one of the smaller towns where you're, like I said, you're drawing a few hundred people, a couple hundred people. Then, you know, because for every one of those, we might have, say, the Orlando Armory where it's packed to the point of there being there's like standing room only, you know, Yeah. It, and where it's hot as hell in there because there's no air conditioning strong enough. And <laughs> uh, no, no, that would really happen. Like the guy, you'd lose five pounds during your match just from sweating. <laughs> Jeez. And standing on the apron doing nothing in a tag match, you could you'd be sweating like crazy. It was really. It, but that was just how the building was. And you would have all those people in there during the summer and everything. But then, like I said, there'd be the smaller shows where it was just like, how many people are there? 112. Uh, you'd get excited when you when you broke 150 in some cities because you finally felt like it was, you were you were on the upswing. Right. And now, all of those towns are established, and they actually got rid of some of the worst drawing ones. So it was it's a nice change. But it did take quite a while, and I think on TV it looked like it happened really quickly. Mm-hmm. But the reality was, it happened on TV, then it slowly happened on the house shows.
1: Um. Next question about NXT. Obviously, the Vaude Villains, a very kind of unique couple of characters, um, definitely stood out because you were so different from everything else that uh, that you'd see on NXT and even the main roster. Was there a relationship that you and, that you and Aiden English had that led you to being a tag team, or did they just say you guys are a tag team now? Figure it out.
5: Uh- they literally just said, "You guys are a tag team. Figure it out." It, it, <laughs> it's funny because a lot of people I didn't I didn't interview where I got asked if Aiden and I were friends. Mm-hmm. It's really weird to me because to me the, the obvious answer is it's not we just we weren't social with each other. That's the best way to say it. Yeah. We got along well enough, but a lot of people done that like, "Oh, that's why their team failed with the main roster. All the best teams are are best friends." <laughs> and all I'm thinking is like, most of the tag teams I know, even some of the ones people would list in that like best mm-hmm. teams of all time. Hate each other. <laughs> like, they don't get along on the least bit. Mm-hmm. To the point where it's like you would hear like you know uh, like there were periods where Billy Gunn and Road Dogg hated each other because it'd be like one of them would get a booking and the other one would no show it. Yeah. Or there there'd be stuff or like uh, Ricky and Robert. There are points where they hated each other. Shawn <laughs> and Marty points so where they hated each other. Bubba and Devon points where they absolutely hated each other. And. But at the end of the day, it's you know that's where you're making money is with the guy because you're known for being a tag team. So a lot of people jumped on that. I thought it was really weird because it's like it was just like any other job. We were, we were booked as a team. We worked together well mm-hmm. and we did our thing. Like we didn't – like we don't have to go to each other's house for barbecues to make a team. <laughs> so um, – but yeah, we literally – we've been told sort of off and on for a few months like starting in, I think November of the previous year that Triple H thought we'd make a good tag team. And then eventually it was just like – you guys are a tag team. You're debuting on TV next week.
1: So it was that, At, that fast. Kind of, kind of yeah, like a we, whirlwind.
5: <laughs> 10 days in total. Like we did, uh, <laughs> we had a couple of days in ring practice, like working on things. Um, I outright lifted the, uh, because I was already, I was already doing the, uh, roll, role. Mm-hmm. So I outright lifted the, uh, more bang for your buck from, from the <laughs> bucks because in, English is, English is like athletic. Like people don't know how athletic he is mm-hmm. and he could do a swanton. So I was like, well, just do that. Um, like he can he was a gymnast in high school. I've seen him do a thing. Uh there was a I don't know if whatever happened with the video, but he was literally they had a bunch of uh blocks set up in the gym and he ran off to like a front head spring, cartwheeled off one, lands on his feet, there's a backflip over the next like just all this stuff and he would. He didn't want to do it in the ring though, because he was always like, "Well, if I do it, I have to do it every night. It's going to mess up my knees. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to <laughs> injure myself." So, because, because at that time, once again, he was doing more of the character stuff. So it was like, "There's, you know, why am I going to damage my body when this is what's working?" So, so I, it was just that way to get more of his athleticism into the bit. And then we did that. We had one practice match, I think, with Braun Strowman and uh, Chad Gable as a tag team. Hmm. This is pre-American Alpha and, and Wyatt oh, yeah. Family up. <laughs> We had two house show matches: one with the Ascension, one with the the uh, mismatched team of uh, Mojo Raleigh and Wesley Blake.
1: <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs>
5: and we were on TV, oh. like, and that was it. Then we were on, literally on TV the following <laughs> Wednesday. So I, I think it was like
1: you fell into it pretty quickly with each other because you you did make a really good tag team.
2: I, I, I
5: think so, and that was kind of the thing is that we meshed well, and it was that nice mixture of the. I tend to call it the Davey boy dynamite dynamic where you have like English was the more athletic one who could mm-hmm. move really well. I was, more, I was like the stronger Matt based one mm-hmm. who could, you know, actually wrestle. And I think we complemented each other because one of the, one of the things that bugs me with a tag team, and even though there's some very good tag teams that do this, I hate when I, when I can't tell the difference between the wrestling of both guys, Yeah, like DH uh, Smith, uh, Harry Smith and, uh, and TJ uh, uh, Tyson kid, mm-hmm. they were, that because tj was the athlete who's doing the flips and the dives and you had uh and you had uh harry you know picking people up and suplexing them and throwing them around so you get a nice mixture i, I but I, I really hate when i see a tag team where it's like i'm gonna do a moonsault and a super kick and then you do a moonsault and a super kick it's like well then why, <laughs> why do i swear that there's two of you <laughs> same thing. Like, give give me something different please
1: yeah that it, it's good to have the contrastings i mean one of the greatest tag teams of all time the heart foundation the Anvil and Bret Hart, two totally different styles, and it makes for a good team. So that it is. I, oh
5: yeah, I fairly told Maddie more than once that her father actually frightened me when I was a child. <laughs> really? Whenever Anvil would do the uh, the beard pull, I had this fear that he was going to rip the beard out. <laughs> <laughs> that would scare me as a kid because I had this image of just doing it and blood spraying out like a Monty Python sketch. And it was like, oh, God.
1: So you were really getting out, out ahead of that.
5: <laughs> I. Like, like I said, that was one of those ones where I was like, oh, I, I, I couldn't focus on the wrestling, and I enjoyed them in ring, but whenever mm-hmm. they do promo, scare the shit out of me.
1: <laughs> now, NXT Brooklyn, you mentioned how cool it was to start getting away from Florida and going to these cities. NXT Brooklyn was, you know, a huge event, a sold-out arena. Fans that were there, like, specifically to see that show, like those, that talent on that show. A lot of people talk about the Sasha Banks-Bailey match, You know, it was a great match, highlight of the show, but not that far behind. I mean, you guys got a huge reaction when you finally dethroned Blake and Murphy as NXT Tag Team Champions.
5: Which is hilarious because that match wasn't supposed to happen.
1: Are you serious?
5: (laughs) That was not the the original booking. It was actually going to be a six-person tag with us and Becky against uh, Blake and Murphy and Lexi. Mm Mm-hmm. And what wound up happening was the, the whole women's revolution thing where they called up, uh, where Becky got called up, so she wasn't going to be around for the angle.
4: Yeah.
5: So they actually, that was why they put Leva Bates, uh, Blue Pants, that's why they put her into it, <laughs> and they just made a straight tag match. Um, because they've been doing all the stuff with us and Lexi, and then it was like, oh, well, Becky's not going to be there now. Um, there was a funny Easter egg, though. Uh, it only happened the first time, but if you watch the footage of every time Lexi slapped us. hmm because I looked at it like, okay, Lexi is 100 pounds. She's five feet tall. <laughs> when she slaps me, I'm gritting my teeth, and I'm I'm, I'm stiffening my neck. I'm not going to budge. I'll look angry, but I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to sell this. Like, I got to get my, my size. Because I knew the whole tension was not necessarily from her hitting me, but from, like, like, it's the little cliche about Batman versus Superman that it's really Superman versus Superman. Yeah. Because Superman's fighting his own will and his desire to kill Batman. Mm-hmm. So that was the whole point was that it was like, I don't want to hit her, but she just, you know, I'm very angry right now because <laughs> she... Hit me. So she slaps me and boom, cracks me, and I don't even move. But my eyes get real wide, and I'm just like, oh, you're gonna... oh if I could hit you, I would hit you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And she slaps him, and he does the big sell. And afterwards, he's like, man, I felt like an idiot because I didn't even think about it until I saw the footage. <laughs> but I sold the, the slap from the 100-pound from the girl. <laughs> so after that, when we do the promo later backstage where she slaps us again. He sells it the same way I do with the, with the <laughs> stiff neck and everything. But the, but the first one, he sells big like it was a big like it was just a normal hit.
1: I kind of feel like I, want to, I need to go back and watch that now.
5: I, I, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it was just one of those <laughs> random little things. And actually, they, they they edited it, but she had to slap him twice because uh, the first time she whiffed.
4: <laughs> Are
1: you serious?
5: Yeah. So so she actually so she he actually got hit twice. I got hit. <laughs> but then we did the backstage where we both got hit. I think twelve times because Michael Hayden thought it was funny, so he kept asking for it. <laughs>
1: How did you feel about that?
5: I liked it. I I thought it was a good angle. Um, there was a. If I had one issue with it, Mm -hmm. it was – I think the the feud was too much between us and Lexi and not enough us and Blake and Murphy. Mm. At the same time, I think that it was a creative way to do it uh, a feud because a a proxy is sometimes what you have to bring in, which is kind of what – and I'm glad they did it the way they did because I think if it had been to a six-person tag, that would have been kind of pointless. Mm -hmm. Having it be like, okay, we acknowledge we can't fight you. We can't beat you up. We can't attack you. But here's what we can do. Um, I think it, I think it worked out the best way it could have, and it was a really fun match to be a part of, and it was nice to actually get to show that we could do a little bit more because up to that point, I think our longest match on NXT TV was maybe seven minutes, seven wow. six minutes, yeah.
3: Shortly after you won the tag team titles, a few weeks later, the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic started, and then a few weeks after that ended, you dropped the title to the revival. Me personally, I felt you guys got shortchanged and didn't get enough emphasis as the champions. What are your thoughts on your title run, and do you think you guys left anything on the table?
5: I thoroughly disagreed with being involved in the Dusty Roads Classic in the first place. Um, I thought if you're going to do it, it should kind of be to the end of promoting another tag team. I thought the mm-hmm. best thing it could have been was put the Revival over in the tournament and then have them be the number one contenders. We wrestle them in England. Yeah. And what it wound up being was they. I think the end of the tournament was Finn and uh, Samoa Joe. Yes which so, which, to me, you kind of are crapping on all of your tag teams because you have all these established tag teams losing to a makeshift team, yeah and then that, one, one thing that that's yeah.
4: yeah
3: one thing that got me was that I don't think your match with the revival in the tournament was even televised, so that was it, one of the things that kind of felt like you guys got shortchanged a bit
5: that actually at the time upset me because we had a really good match with them um. <laughs> I, I've seen the match and it was actually really good. And I remember they showed like three seconds of us taking the finish and that was it. And I, cause I figured it at least show some highlights
4: <laughs>
5: it literally showed like, it, it's that thing where I, I, I've talked about this a little bit in other interviews where people ask me like, Oh, do you feel like this affected your push? Do you think that affected your push? And I was like, they never were really behind us. I mean, the, the office anyway, like the way they used this was always very like, half half-hearted, I mean to be perfectly honest. It was never a full a full-bore push. I mean, we were the tag team champions and I think we were I still think we're the only guys who dropped the titles on a non-live special since the live special started.
1: Wow. And it, the other thing is you guys it's I feel like they they almost didn't really know which direction to go with you because you you could be a good babyface team where you kind of had this fun-loving, different style, but then you guys could also be darker, be kind of dastardly a word i don't use too often but you guys could also be that do you think they even knew what exactly to do with you and which way would you have preferred to go
5: i, I think inherently it's a babyface gimmick mm-hmm. um if you take a look at it uh we initially we didn't do anything heel or face when we came out the first time where we weren't trying to anyway mm-hmm. we went out It was going to be a highlight reel match with us versus travis tyler who i mentioned earlier mm-hmm. and uh, angelo dawkins mm-hmm. and the audience cheered and the direction we'd actually gotten was, you're not heels, you're not babyfaces. Just go out there, let the audience tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And they, they cheered us, they liked us. So to me, and to me, it's inherently a babyface gimmick. And I even i made the joke before because there was actually a problem where some I guess they'd said, you know, well you're the, they're the VOD villains, they have to be heels, which to me is very <laughs> dimensional thinking. Because my thought on it was, we're the vaude villains, but we're so archaic and our that. Literally, our our version of villainy is like drinking whole milk and and eating <laughs> on a Friday. You know, like we. We're, so so it's that if I wanted to put it in perspective, if you have ever seen uh, Suburban Commando, which mm-hmm. here's I'm stretching for a reference here. Yeah. Um. There's a scene where where Hulk Hogan's character Shep Ramsey knocks over uh, I think a motorcycle or something like that. Uh huh. And these guys like, you know, what we're gonna do to you. And the, he's like, let me guess. You're going to, you know, you're going to pound my face. And he runs off <laughs> all these horrible things. And the guys go, what are you nuts? It's the 90s. We're going to sue you. <laughs> <laughs> stress, you know, personal property damage. I, and he just runs off all. The, and the whole idea is like the joke is obviously that it's the exact opposite of what you're thinking. It's like, yeah. well, of course I <laughs> do that. It's like, people are like, oh, you're villains. It's like, yes, we are. It's like, so have you ever killed anyone? Oh, God, no. What's wrong with you? Why would we do that?
1: <laughs> um, That's the whole joke. <laughs> Yeah, now you mentioned the whole thing earlier in the interview about they kind of threatened, like, you could be gone in three months, there aren't developmental careers, and you mentioned you were there for three years. There were a lot of... You you gained a lot of notoriety and a following out of your years in developmental. You got called up to SmackDown during the draft. What were some of the big differences between NXT and the main roster?
5: Honestly, I think it was just the... uh, It's, shall we say, a shorter path... Um, in NXT creative is literally like two or three people directly versus, you know, the 30 you're dealing with on the main roster. Um, also you tend to get a better idea of what you're doing in NXT because stuff is taped, you know, four and six weeks in advance. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sort of where you're going with an angle, you find out, you know, okay, you can kind of tell what's, what's going to happen next. Whereas, With uh, the main roster, it's very day-to-day and week-to-week, and it's a lot of, you know, is this working, is it not working? You know, it might get a good reaction, but they, you know, they want to do something else, so it doesn't matter, we're going to move on to this. So you just kind of roll with it. Uh, It's a little bit more stressful for just that reason, because instead of, like I said, instead of it being, like, one big hit, it's, like, a little hit week if you're not doing anything.
3: Yeah. So when you first got called up to the main roster, you guys challenged the New Day for the tag team titles. And in the lead-up to your match with them, and prior to working with Enzo and Cass, we talked about on the show, we thought you guys did a lot of great mic work and had a lot of character development, a lot that we didn't really get to see in NXT. So after the tag title match, we saw less of you guys, and we would say all the time, like, what are our villains? They did a really good job. They should be doing something with these guys. Were there any plans for you guys that got nixed?
5: Nope, not as far as I know. Um, (laughs) We we were never told anything. The, The last thing we heard was... In the month, in like the weeks leading up to the uh, the draft, we got told we're gonna repackage and or we're basically gonna re-debut you guys. Mm-hmm. We're gonna shoot some stuff. We'll redebut you guys. Uh, we'll, you know, and when you debut on and they wherever you debut, basically wherever it's gonna be on Raw or SmackDown. I had a feeling it was gonna be SmackDown either way. Um, and we're like, okay, cool. And they just never did it. <laughs> and it literally was like that thing where it's like we're gonna do this and I'm like cool, okay. And then it was then it just never happens. And then, you know, the brand split happens. And you're like, okay. And then nothing. Hmm.
3: Hmm. Another, yeah. thing, another thing is, like, when talents leave WWE, we often hear a lot of things that they pitched to creative but got turned down. And us as fans, we're just like, when we hear about it, we say, why didn't they do that? That's a great idea. <laughs> Was there anything that you guys ever pitched that got rejected?
5: Nothing that ever got rejected as much as not done. I, I to put it in... Because <laughs> rejection, the don't out and say, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> not done is more like... Oh, we've got here's this idea. And they go, Oh, okay, cool. I'll I'll run it up the ladder. I'll see what or I'll, I'll run it up the chain of command, and see what they say. And you never hear anything. Huh, so and you, you ask got, about yeah, it. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was was, was, it,
3: was there anything that you guys pitched?
5: A couple things. Um one involved I wanted us to be uh to start using a uh a basically an old rule book to cheat. <laughs> but the this was gonna be the idea. The the way the whole angle worked was we are going to demand a tag title shot against the, uh, the the Wyatt family. And I was even doing this on Twitter trying to set it up where I was talking about, like, we we are undefeated against the Wyatt family. We should be made number one contenders. Which obviously people go, like, you've never wrestled the Wyatt family. Like, yes, we're undefeated in matches with the Wyatt family. They've never beaten us. So uh, the idea was that we demand the match, the number one contendership from Daniel Bryan. And as a joke, he's like, oh, well, you know, you guys haven't won in a while. So tell you what, I'll give you some people that are more your level right now, and we'll see how that goes and where we, what we'll do with you. The joke was going to be, we go out to the ring waiting for our opponents, and they send us two locals. <laughs> so, the insult and implication being, yeah, this is what your level is. You can wrestle the two locals. <laughs> now, we, of course, go completely batshit crazy on them, beat these guys savagely to the point where, like, security is called out, and we're pulled out of the ring and um, And then Daniel Bryan suspends us. We come back in like, say, a month, whatever. Um, with a, uh, The joke was going to be we're going to bring him a, a basket of, of, uh, of meats for it. <laughs> and he's going to be like, right? So we look at each other, dump the basket. Up, we brought you this basket. <laughs> and then him like, we learned our lesson. We're going to be, you know, please come out to the ring and watch our match tonight. We, we assure you we'll do everything by the book. The joke going to B, we're going to do something like blatantly cheating. Um, the idea I often liked uh, was I wanted to grab a guy by the thumb and basically jam his own thumb into his eye. <laughs> so, uh, so, and the whole thing is going to be like, Daniel, you know, Brian gets up furious, all this stuff. You know, you, you know, he wants to, you know, you guys said you weren't going to cheat. We pull out the rule book, be like, well, technically it says it's legal. We have a member of the, you know, the State Athletic Commission here. He's going to come, you know, he'll come out here and confirm this. <laughs> so we're going to have the cooking and the reaction I got to this was, okay, we'll try it on main event. And I'm, all I'm thinking is like, okay, I, how do you try that on main event?
4: <laughs> <laughs> the
5: picture for trying stuff on main event was always, Oh, no one watches it. Yeah. So you can do whatever you want. It won't matter. Like either the idea is good or it's not. That's always my, inter- that's always me. If you either like the idea or you don't, you either want to try it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if you try it. That usually you should have some faith in your own taste. You know, if you think it's a, it sounds good to you, let's go for it. When you're like, oh, we'll try it out here. Well, we can't try it out. Once we try it out, we're already past the point of making it work.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You, you have the setup and payoff. It'd be like if, if you want to say, hey, I got this joke I want to try out. Okay, uh, <laughs> give me the punchline. <laughs> That's not how a joke works. I need to give you the setup. But then, but no, I just want. The, well, just give me this, Just give me the punchline. We'll see how I like the punchline. If I like the punchline, it's like. Okay, the punchline is, that's what your mother said. <laughs> I hate that. <laughs>
1: you can't still do the setup. <laughs> well, yeah, then. once you've tried it out on main event, you are not trying it out. You've just done it now.
5: Exactly, and at that point, we're in the why they're going to run with it or not. It's mm-hmm. like when they did the puffy shirt thing with uh, Breeze Dango.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you're, not <laughs> like,
5: no, you're not. It's yeah. and that, and that only lasts briefly, but it was, and then went to the fashion police. But that whole idea of like. You're either doing this or you aren't doing this. There's, there's no, no trying it out. It's not, it's not like we're doing – like I I'd, I'd had an idea on the indies I'd never done, but I thought it would have been an interesting thing for TV to smuggle a uh, Sharpie into a match <laughs> and literally – no, no, no this, is, this is a serious one. This isn't even a joke one. Okay. And literally, like at some point in the match, wrestle the guy around, get him, pull the Sharpie out, mark like a limb, an l- arm, a leg, a neck or something like that with an X, basically telling them that's what I'm going to attack. I'm going to hurt you there. It was a minor thing, but it was like – that to me is like a – that's kind of a neat thing where it's like, oh, oh, no. The guy, like when the guy sees the mark, he's like, uh-oh. So all of a sudden he's trying to fight to protect his arm, whatever, and it, it's just – it's an interesting thing to do. That you can try out. Yeah. Because it's not an angle. It's just a It's just a, bit, just mm-hmm. a little bit. When I'm, when I'm pitching a whole angle, it's like either we do the angle or we don't. Right. You know, And, and even then, they wind up coming out with, a, I think, like a fake rule book for WWE, which it would have been a great marketing thing to do it with. But never happened
3: yeah i would have bought it well if anybody advocates for main event it's me <laughs> <laughs> i tell him all the time if you don't if you if you miss if you wonder why somebody is their main event oh, all
5: right <laughs> well if they're on raw anyway but that's
1: <laughs> yeah
5: um... for everybody we need another hour <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah now i know that your your 90-day non-compete is up i know you're taking bookings again you're i, I saw something on twitter that you're teaching a seminar in the UK, or you may have already taught it. Um, oh,
5: no! I, I leave for the UK tomorrow. Okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm at uh, next, I think Tuesday.
1: Okay. So you have a, a seminar coming up in the UK. Uh, you said you spent 12 years uh, as an independent wrestler before going to NXT. Um, do you notice any changes in, uh, in that scene now from where it was before? Um,
5: I think the general quality is actually a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, Production value on most shows has gotten better. I think um, part of that's been the technology has actually gotten cheaper and more user-friendly. In the past, if you look at, like, say, uh, year one Ring of Honor or early CCW uh, uh, shows now, mm-hmm. they look barbaric in comparison. <laughs> I mean, they're 15, they're 10, 15 years old in some cases, but yeah. they look absolutely barbaric compared to what they have now. Uh and I think that's the biggest difference. Is like I so said, the production value. Uh, people understand, you know, building a uh, actual set, uh, an entranceway, and stuff. I I, I still remember the IWA Mid South shows where they would walk through a door. Like they they wouldn't even put a pipe and drape thing up in front of the door. They would just walk <laughs> through a straight door. Like, come out. There's your entrance. It's like uh, as, as cheap as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, but I think, like I said, that and then the overall quality, there's still the scumbag shows and the, you know, the guys, the, the 30-year indie vets who can't put a headlock on to save their life. Mm-hmm. They still exist. But I think the overall quality has actually gotten a lot better. There are a lot more good wrestlers out there than there used to be. When I, when I started in 2001, there was still that small group of, like, the Daniel Bryan, low-key AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, you know, this very small group of like first generation good wrestlers mm-hmm. on the Indies that were changing up the game from the traditional, you know, beer belly, roided out <laughs> middle aged man who never quite made it to WWE. Yeah. Uh, so what was once literally a group of maybe a dozen guys is all of a sudden expanded to, you know, 50, 60, 70, 100 people, which is actually better for the business because now. You have so many more interesting matches, so many more interesting feuds you can do, so many more places to work, and so many more opportunities to actually make money with it. Um, I'm from California, as I, I told you earlier. And it's like for me, one of the hardest things was at that point, California was a dead zone. Mm-hmm. You were in PWG or you were doing nothing. And that was the way to get out of the state. If you didn't like it Unless you outright moved, if if you stayed in California, you were going to go nowhere because no one even got signed out of California. That was just how it was. Yeah. And now you have, I think, like a half dozen notable indies aside from PWG that actually get real attention and guys can get work from. Mm-hmm. Um, who's it? Uh, Holly Dead and um, uh, who's the other one? Uh, it's a female tag team. They work in. Uh, they they work. Oh, wow, she's on uh, Lucia Underground as well. Hmm. Oh, Taylor no, not Taya Valkyrie. Um, she's the one who does like the snake. The the one, the I can't remember her name. Um, I feel like a real idiot now because I literally just I met her tag partner last night.
4: Uh, so
5: now I'm a big idiot. Uh, point being, uh, like they're getting out there. Uh, Jeff Cobb is another one who's getting out there. A lot, who's out there a lot now. Mm-hmm. Where these guys who are really talented, but for years no one saw them because they were in California. But thanks to the internet, especially, you know. You can now see someone from anywhere. You can actually run a good wrestling show in Northern California, put it on the internet, put it on DVD, and actually make money, which before was impossible.
4: Yeah. Uh,
1: so I, I've been saying recently, I, you always hear the, the question about like the next boom period in wrestling, and people always assume the next boom is going to come from WWE. I've been saying for a couple months now, I think the next boom is coming on the independents because... Like you said, there's so many promotions out there. The, the quality has gotten so much bigger. There's so much more of a following for it. I think that's where a, a lot of the growth is happening. I, I would assume that's got to be exciting for you to get back out there. Are you looking forward to having like a little more freedom with what you're doing?
5: Oh, very much so. Um, there, there, there's, it's very depressing to spend you know 12 weeks on the road doing eight-man tags with the same people every night. And it's not they're not great guys, but at a certain point, it's boring. You know, it's boring as a professional to do the same thing every single night. So it's nice to actually have that artistic freedom and to get your brain working again and to really be thinking. Um, too often, it's easy to fall into the the mode of just whatever we did last night, you know?
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> Though, in one case, it actually was something funny. Uh, we had this show in Wyoming. Was, I think it was like it had been canceled two times previously for <laughs> because it, it didn't sell enough tickets. Uh-huh. So we just were doing it to get it out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's an eight-man tag where I believe it was us and the uh, Ascension against, I want to say, Slater, Rhino, and the Hype Bros. So, he Slater's in the corner, uh, and he starts fighting off all the heels. And, you know, he swings at me and just punches me right in the ear. Like, I'm talking opening of uh, opening of Fight Club style. Okay. <laughs> and he knows he did it because he goes, shit, tell guys I'm sorry. <laughs> so, it, it, that what that led to, though, was a running gag. Mm-hmm. Because the next night, same exact thing. He goes to swing at me, and I just slightly lean back and let his fist go right by my face.
4: <laughs>
5: and he goes, oh, you motherfucker. Just back to it, whatever. I'm like, what? You punched me in the ear last night. I'm not going to stand there and let you do it again. So and it like every time we wrestled, where if I was on the apron and he swung at me, i just move slightly out
1: of the way and let him miss.
5: <laughs> and no. I think you know, at least one pay-per-view, I think I actually did that on, I did that on a pay-per-view. I'm not 100% really? sure, but I believe I did yeah.
1: Did he, at a certain point, start to find it funny, too, or did, he, did it just annoy
5: him? Oh, he found it funny the whole time. Okay,
1: uh,
4: okay.
5: That's what that's what I mean. It was, it was more like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> but that, that was kind of how that was how we would do it, is that you had to find ways to amuse yourself, because the matches would be the same so often. There was one where... Um... So, I've never outrun anyone in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I'm very low when it comes to running. I, I used to joke I took karate in high school because I couldn't outrun anyone, so I was going to have to... <laughs> uh, so... The one time we're doing this uh, gauntlet match, Slater and Rhino are in the ring. They just beat someone I couldn't. I don't remember who, maybe Breeze Dango. I go sprinting down the rampway. I get to about five feet in front of the ring, and I realize I've actually passed English. <laughs> so I look back to see where he is. I go, oh. And then I turn, and the ring's right there. I go, uh-oh. I try to I hit my eye on the bottom rope. Me open, but I don't know how bad. So I get in the ring, we do whatever with Heath and Rhino. We, we're out quick. I get to the back, and I, as soon as I get back, they're like, "I go, they go." Oh man, what happened to your eyes? Oh, Slater punched me right in the eye.
4: <laughs> it's just, it's
5: not, I don't tell him. I tell literally everyone. I tell medical, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I got split open. They're you know putting the glue on it and everything. <laughs> and afterwards, um, I think it was Vic, uh, Victor from the Ascension. He's like, "Hey man, uh, Heath's the locker room. He wants to talk to you." So I go to the back and so, Oh man, I'm so sorry. He's like, I've never hit anyone in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm so light. I never hurt anyone. I'm like, oh, Don't worry, man. He's so, no, like, No, don't worry. You didn't hit me. I hit the rope. So <laughs> it's
1: like, fun with it. So you had him convinced that he had punched you in the eye. Or I guess not even you. you I, I did. And the trick else. is, just
5: so for everyone who wants to, to steal this trick, if you tell the guy directly, mm-hmm. it's not going to work. Yeah. You have to tell everyone else and let other people tell him. <laughs> because if you're really mad at someone, it's more likely you'll do something passive-aggressive, like like yelling about it to someone else, yeah. than it is that you'll actually go to the guy and yell. Like, you're going to try and calm down before you talk to him. <laughs> so it was one of those. It was just like, I'm going to see how badly I can wind him up before I just tell him no. I, I hit the wrong on me.
1: So how long would you say he believed that?
5: Oh, I, well, depending on when he got told, probably at least a, two or three minutes into our conversation.
4: Okay.
5: <laughs> it, was, it was probably for 10 or 15 minutes before that All right. because I, I closed up and everything.
1: Okay. Uh, now, the last thing I wanted to ask you uh, before we, you know, you can plug anything that you have upcoming. Um, you clearly, just from a few things that you told us here uh, tonight during this interview, you clearly have, like, a mind for this. Like, you have a creative mind. You kind of know some things that you want to do story-wise and character-wise. Uh, what should we expect from Simon Grimm in this next uh, part of your career?
5: I have no idea. Um, I, I'm actually free to do whatever I want now, so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to say. Uh, you know, expect to see me actually wrestle more, which I've, I've been missing being able to do. Uh, one of the downsides, once again, of TV is time constraints. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be nice to get out there and actually be really challenged and be able to think again. Um, I, I, you mentioned earlier that I actually have a seminar coming up in England. Uh, and one of the things, because I actually just did a seminar in uh, Oklahoma.
4: Okay.
5: I, I told the guys outright. I was like, "Look, this is going to be very different from a lot of the ones you've done. I'm not going to. I'm not out here to, you know, run you into the dirt with cardio. I'm not <laughs> here to have you do tackle drop down hip toss 30 times. I'm not here to spend an hour trying to teach you how to do headlock takeovers. That's mm-hmm. not. I, my goal is to get you thinking differently about wrestling. Um, one of the positive things about having the 90 days is that I've been able to sort of reboot my brain." And it changed the way I thought about a lot of stuff because I started looking at wrestling very differently I was because I wasn't in the system of having to think about it a certain way yeah. or feeling like I had to think about it a certain way um, to where I kind of came to the conclusion that a lot of what we get told in wrestling is very dogmatic. It's very uh, – like, I'm an atheist, so mm-hmm. when, something, when something reeks of Catholicism, I tend, to, I, tend to revi- I tend to revile it a little bit, that oh, whole, yeah. like, this is how it is because this is how it is, and that's how it's going to be because, you know, we said so.
4: Yeah.
5: I, think, and I think a lot of the things we cling to in wrestling are very archaic, and we sort of miss how the industry has changed. Mm-hmm. We forget the fact that wrestling wasn't originally a work, and it wasn't even original, and even then, it, went from being, it, wasn't, it didn't go from being a, a shoot to a work. It was a shoot – then it was fixed, and then it was a work. <laughs> that little middle step is what we forget. Yeah. And that middle step is the reason why I think a lot of people, we go, oh, well, we've always done it this way. It's like, well, we did it that way because the audience thought it was real, not because we were wrestling better.
4: Because
5: yeah. the reality is, show someone wrestling from the 70s, they don't think it's real. Mm-hmm. But we cling to that idea. It's like, oh, but the people believed. They believed because up to that point, when they'd heard wrestling was, they didn't hear wrestling was worked originally. They heard it was fixed. Yeah. If, if a match is fixed, you believe other mat. that means other matches are legitimate. Mm-hmm. If all matches are worked, that is something different. The audience now knows all matches are worked. In the past, they knew some matches had been fixed. So they had all the reason in the world to still believe, and they had nothing to compare it to at the time either. And on top of that, the change was so subtle over time that, of course, they're not going to, you know, they're not necessarily going to notice. If you, change, if you do a drastic change right away, people notice. Mm-hmm. It's like going from black and white to color. People notice that. But if you had slowly added color to something, people might not have noticed until quite a while in yeah. that it was going black and white to color. And it's the same thing with wrestling. I think we, we still cling to a lot of these ideas that are kind of, like I said, they have no value in the modern world. The way wrestling and or the way fans uh, connect with wrestling is not the same as they connect with wrestling 30, 40, 50 years ago. One of my, uh, my, my favorite points about that was, uh, like, the, uh, Terry Taylor one time got mad at me because I had uh, Kalisto. We did a singles match in NXT where he rolled me up three times off the get-go. I told him, I was like, I'll swing at you. Like, I'll, I'll charge you. I'll try and attack you. You know, get out of the way. Roll me up. One, two, kick. Grab me again. One, two, kick. Grab me again. One, two, kick. I'll you know, maybe go for a drop kick. I'll bail out of the ring. Mm-hmm. And T- Terry is like, you just told the whole audience he can't beat you. Like as though the audience is sitting there with, you know, a checklist. And as soon as they hit three, they're like, oh, no, I guess what? Beat me. You know why? He beat me? Because he said, you know, do you know what tells the audience? He can't beat me. The booker. That's what tells the audience he can't beat me. The booker says he can't beat me, that he can't beat me. If he says he can, that he can. not That's the only thing that tells the audience he can't beat me. So but that's what I mean. It's like we cling to these ideas. And I don't think anyone in the audience thought that. I, I No one in their right mind was sitting there, like I said, counting the pinballs and going, oh, Nope, he went for three. He can't beat him. And even if they did, you know what that means? It, it's going to be a surprise when he does beat me, right? Right. And because no, he
4: that?
5: No, <laughs> yeah, and that what we want. But that was kind of so when I do the seminars, it was kind of like just trying to get people to open their minds about how wrestling works and how we relate to fans and how we actually draw them in.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And it's not always as simple as, you know, like I said, a lot of the time you'll get told... Oh, well, you know, do this. Ric Flair did this. It's like, yeah, Ric Flair wrestled in this era with these guys, with this audience. What he did worked very well for him. But if just copying Ric Flair worked for everyone, we would all be millionaires because that's all we'd have to do. Right? It's not simple. This is an art. It's not a science. You cannot catch lightning in a bottle. You have to be able to try and create it through action, you know?
4: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so I find this very interesting because you don't hear – you don't hear a lot of people talk about that. You know what? Maybe things have to be done a little differently. Well,
5: because I think we, we tend to – like I said, we tend to think of it like it's just that's how it is. This, is, this worked when we did it before so that, wow, why don't we do it like that again? Things can never go backwards. That, that is just, when it comes to time and when it comes to art, you can't go backwards because mm-hmm. you you know, it will never be the same. It can be better. It can be worse, but it can't be the same. So if your idea is, well, we did it like this and it worked. Okay, but that means people have seen that already. And then once they've seen it, and my favorite comparison for this is uh, there's an old Warner Brothers cartoon where Porky Pig is a talent agent. Okay. whole thing, he's looking at all these different acts. So it's just a bunch of little shorts within this short. And every every once in a while, this wolf comes in. He goes, oh, you know, I've got this act. You've never seen anything like this. It's the most amazing act in the world. It's the greatest act in the world. And every time Porky just comes up with hilarious ways to get him out of his office. <laughs> Eventually, he finally agrees to watch the guy's act. The guy puts on a devil costume for no discernible reason. He starts mixing together nitroglycerin and gunpowder and and all this other stuff. And then, you know, he drinks it. You know, his belly, you know, pops out all these different directions. And there's a huge explosion. And Porky comes up from behind his desk and says, oh, wow, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. You start hearing a harp. And the guy goes, yeah, the only problem is, and he floats up as a ghost. I can only do it once. And that's... But that's kind of the way art is. Yeah. Once people have seen it, you can't really redo it. You have to move on to something different, something mm-hmm. new. And you can make references or do little twists, but you can't do the same thing over and over and over again and not expect it to be boring. But most people, without knowing fully well what, say, wrestling psychology or match structure is, mm-hmm. tell you how a tag match works. Yeah. Because it's so broad-stroke, it's hard not to notice. It's always going to be... Babyface and heel, one babyface gets cut off, beat up by two heels. Eventually, he tags his partner who makes the hot comeback. And they'll either be false finishes or they'll just be a double-team finish. That's like, At eight years old, I knew that. <laughs> I didn't know what psychology was. But I knew that was going to happen in every tag match because right. it was so obvious. I didn't even pick that up on singles matches, but I picked it up in tag because it was an obvious shift. Mm-hmm. Singles, you don't necessarily think about the fact that you know the babyface and heel and babyface is going to beat down every time. It doesn't necessarily strike you but that's what I mean when I say that there's a lot of stuff that we do the same every single time and it becomes so predictable. I, I love it when someone does a drop down and trips the guy it's minor, but mm-hmm. we drop down so often, but they never do anything. The yeah. guy guys, <laughs> I remember a Saturday night, a Saturday night's main event from years ago where a uh, Hulk Hogan wrestled Terry Funk and Funk drops down and Hogan just starts stepping on him. <laughs> he steps on him, runs <laughs> to the, ropes the other side, steps on him, runs to the, ropes the other side. And I, <laughs> Different. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> but for some reason, we just – every time we do the same thing. You know, A guy does a leapfrog. Someone gets just powerbombing. Why not? He just jumped up for you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't – like I said, we don't think about this stuff because we're so locked into doing A, B, and C that we don't think about the fact that we've got a full alphabet. Why don't we start writing some crazy-ass words? Why don't we do something different? Why don't we really try and do like a different – you know, because worst case scenario, if it doesn't work, we learn that and we figure out what does. We can refine it to what does, but we don't do that by just doing the thing that doesn't work over and over again.
1: Right. You'll never get to the next thing that works if you never go away from the first thing that worked. So exactly. and th- this almost sounds like you mentioned earlier on about the rock being a bridge. It almost sounds like you may be a bridge between the old way of doing wrestling and ushering in a little bit of a new way to do it.
5: I, I highly doubt I will be. <laughs> At the end, at the end of the day, if I can help one or two people try something different mm-hmm. and maybe advance what they do, I'd be happy with that. I'm I'm glad if someone learns something and at least gets an idea that maybe this doesn't have to be a certain way just because they were told it was. Yeah. I, I this the example I go to in one case is uh I like the, you'll you'll probably notice this in American wrestling it's not uncommon to work the left side like that's mm-hmm. the standard you work the left limbs. My least favorite thing in the world, because I see this a lot with, with younger wrestlers when they mess, will mess up, quote unquote. They'll grab the right arm, the the right sided arm, not the proper arm, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> they'll freak out, let go, and grab the left.
4: Yeah.
5: And I, I I was telling guys, I was like, look, the audience doesn't know that's wrong. And I get it. If you want someone to feed for something specific, it helps if they know what side you're working. Mm-hmm. From the standpoint of like performance, the audience doesn't know that's wrong. If you want to get to the left arm, there's nothing wrong with working until you can, you know, get to a position where you have a grip on both arms, right. and then let the right arm. But to, to panic so quickly, like, oh God, I've got the wrong arm. So what? <laughs> if I'm a professional, I should be able to work with that. I shouldn't freak. It's like when, like Harley Race, for example, would grab a suplex on the other side. He would he would hook it with his right arm instead of his left. Mm-hmm. I've seen people freak out if they get grabbed. <laughs> You're going to suplex me wrong. Really? Because I'm pretty sure you're still going straight up and straight back. I don't think that a big difference there. But we get, like I said, we get so caught up in how we do things. We don't forget that the main rule is do it safe and be entertaining. Yeah. First rule, protect the guy you're in the ring with. Second rule, protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Third rule, have a good match. What defines a good match? If the audience likes it, they like it. You can You can say all you want about guys like the Young Bucks or Joey Ryan. I mean, people always say, oh, so, you know, Joey Ryan's killing the business with a dick flip. The young bucks (laughs) with thirty super kicks. You know, Kenny Omega kills the business with, you know, bumping for a three-year-old girl. Yeah. (laughs) For for so many people killing the business, the business seems to be doing pretty well. You know, it seems pretty healthy. Yeah. Nothing can kill the business except for us refusing to change, us refusing to grow, us refusing to actually, you know, entertain our audience and maybe grow it, maybe expand it.
1: Well, I I applaud you and your efforts to try to push people in that direction. Um, So before we let you go, uh, what do you have coming up that you'd like to let our listeners know about?
5: Uh, Well, this weekend, uh, I'll actually be wrestling for XWA in England. Uh, I'll be wrestling with Daisuke Sakamoto from Big Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, Very excited for that one. Mm -hmm. As well as uh, Matt Riddle, who you might know uh, from the UFC, who's on The Ultimate Fighter. The only man ever fired on a four-match win streak.
4: Yeah. (laughs)
5: uh, he loves weed. That's, he does. That does his, <laughs> he, does not, he does not hide that fact. No. Um, and then, uh, the following weekend I'll actually be wrestling. I'll still be in England. I'll be wrestling for pro wrestling pride, uh, where I'll be taking on, uh, Joey Ryan, as I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he's going to be there. So I'll also be wrestling, uh, Doug Williams, who's a longstanding, uh, British, uh, He's kind of a British legend at this point. Maybe mm-hmm. I really use that word? But I don't know what else to describe him as. Yeah. He's definitely one of the standing <laughs> British veterans, certainly on the indie scene. There, also actually, a couple of shows: Jody Fleisch and uh, Johnny Stormer on, which I was excited about. because Oh, thank God, guys over thirty, people all know. <laughs> <laughs> I've had to be on shows with all these twenty-year-old kids who, who I've never met. Yeah, but uh, but uh, then I also got a four-way with uh, Jeff Cobb, Gideon, and uh, Ultimo Tiger. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much looking forward to getting in the room with Cobb. Uh, I actually. uh I, I worked several times with one of the guys that trained him, uh, Oliver John, who's f- phenomenal. So and seeing what Jeff can do, I, I have no doubt it's going to be great. And yeah. Joey Ryan, to use the line that uh, he's the king of dong style. And if mm-hmm. you believe the internet, I'm a huge dick. So it's a great challenge.
1: <laughs> a challenge I'm sure you're looking forward to.
5: I, I have some bad news. I actually used that joke on a podcast or recorded earlier today as well. <laughs> so you'll be the second one to have and I'm actually planning on using it in a promo in England if I can. So I'm really going to run this joke into the ground. That's that's my goal.
1: See, uh, uh, the thing with a joke is if it's funny at first, you could say it enough that it becomes not funny anymore. But if you keep saying it, it eventually becomes funny again forever.
5: Oddly enough, you know what a great example of that is? <laughs> the film Master of Disguise has a fart joke that actually winds up being very funny. <laughs> that and no, it, I swear, Brett Spiner has a running gag fart joke in this movie. It's a terrible film. <laughs> but- but the is good. Oh, the, I, like the first time he does it, he's laughing, 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 and he farts. <laughs> and it's, like, it's not funny. Second time, laugh, 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 and he's like expecting the farts. Oh, okay, it relaxes. <laughs> that was like, the fart comes just like a bit too late. He's like, oh, it's like okay, you got me. And once, but that they keep doing that where it's like then the next time. The fart comes at a very, like, unfunny, awkward time. So they actually <laughs> wind up this joke very brilliantly for whatever reason. In this terrible movie, this one joke works and yet doesn't work simultaneously. It's great.
1: Yeah, so I I, I implore you to keep keep using it. Don't ever keep, stop using it.
5: <laughs> actually, I'll, I'll make a fake – I'll make, probably make a pro T-shirt then. It'll be like the fake fight poster. <laughs> you know, where it'll be like mustache versus mustache. Mm-hmm. King of- style world's biggest dick you know just there we go
1: yeah well if if that shows up on pro wrestling tees sign me up for one
5: all right i will i will absolutely (laughs) charge you value
1: all right (laughs) uh well simon grim we've kept you for i believe twice the amount of time (laughs) that we told you before we started i really appreciate you coming on and doing the show Uh, it was a lot of fun talking to you um i wish you the best of luck as i said in this next chapter of your career. And uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing what's next for Simon Grimm.
5: Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure, and I'm glad the traffic did not keep you uh, too too long. That was...
1: <laughs> yes, we, we actually had the two man booth <laughs> yeah, tonight.
5: Uh, that's what you get for coming from Delaware, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he should have been staying in Philadelphia, is what you're saying?
5: Hey, hey. With me did and we... Boys to Men. <laughs> hey, if, if Boys to Men is going to bring back Motown Philly, we need more people in Philly. We can't have less. Exactly. (laughs) It's boys two men, not boys less men,
1: (laughs) Yes, it is. All right, Simon, again, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Good luck with everything, and hopefully uh, we talk to you again soon. Yes, thank you.
5: Thank you. You guys have a good evening.
1: Thank you. You too. So thank you again to Simon Grimm for uh, taking the time to jump on with us. With that, we'll move on to SmackDown and Battlegrounds. If we weren't going to be there, how excited would everybody be for Battlegrounds? Minimal. I would be praying that
0: the tag division delivers because both teams can go. Both teams can put on an entertaining match, but both teams have short changes. And I don't want to say them, but they put on bad matches. I don't want to say, you know, maybe it's a lack of time. Uh, I would be praying for the United States Championship match and Hopefully, obviously, Corbin's not going to bring it out of Nakamura, but hopefully Nakamura brings something special out of Corbin and Nakamura of last year, we say.
1: Hmm. That's what I would be praying for. Yeah, they have not done a good job of leading us up to this show. I'm not sure why, but both weeks, I have almost no notes, and I just felt... I have none. I got to the end of the show both weeks, and I was like, well, it didn't feel like anything really happened. I got one major note. What's that? Uh, Well... I guess we'll start on what should
0: be the high. The WWE Championship Mm -hmm. picture. So, you know, you mentioned uh, earlier in the show we were talking about Enzo, and if he's in a one-on-one match, you typically fast-forward. Well, for at least the past three weeks, if it has to do with Jinder Mahal or Randy Orton, I fast-forward. I have my best friend to remind me that Jinder Mahal does the exact same promo every week, Mm -hmm. so I don't need to hear it. I believe I've had the chance to mention I'm looking forward to the Punjabi prison match only because of the stipulation and I was on my sabbatical just like you yeah. were, where my seven year hiatus of not watching the product when the first and only two matches happened in WWE so I'm looking forward to it so when Jinder Mahal comes out I, I hear his music I hit the fast forward button it starts going. I want to stop. I'm like, eh, all right, cool. I, I have nothing to do with this. But they lower the cage. I'm like, all right, let me rewind. Let me see what actually happens. Then it's the same promo. Mm-hmm. All right, let me fast forward. So Randy Orton comes out. He starts talking. I'm like, all right, let me fast forward. And then I'm like, wait a minute. He's actually, you know, he's taking it, uh, his, his hoodie off. He's starting to climb the cage. I'm like, all right, let me rewind it. So then maybe he's actually going to go in there. He backs up, climbs to the top, says this is going to be your view to Gender. Jinder's gonna see him at the top when he wins and wins his 14th championship. As much as I'm not a fan of either guy, I-, I want to because I know this is the main event and I'm gonna be sitting there with my seven-year-old son watching this live. I wanna be invested. I'm trying to get into the match. Is they're not doing the best job of it. I you know um you almost think Randy cares because it was actually a decent promo and, you know...
2: For him. Listen, I think... I actually like... I watched it twice to make sure that I grasped it because I've been on the show complaining. Gender's saying the same thing. gender saying the same thing. But before he was saying the same exact words, at least he switched it up this time. <laughs>
4: mm-hmm.
2: And, like, X... I do agree with what X said that Randy's promo was actually really good. And the one nitpick that I have is I'm not looking forward to seeing this match live because we're not going to be able to see anything. Like, we're going to be watching. Even on TV, I'm like, do you notice that the the cage, the second cage goes to the barricade? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, you're clearly going out the front, like where the entranceway is at. And I'm going to have to watch the Titan Tron the whole time to watch this match. Which I'm not looking forward to.
0: Well, to interrupt the thing I'm looking forward to, the fact that the one time I'll be watching it, I don't want to say live when I'm there, like, I I watched I just rewatched um, Kali and Batista, and I obviously knew how the match ended, so, I'm trying to, I didn't really know the rules. I just thought you had to escape, both. I didn't know about the sixty second sliding doors, so I'm I'm trying to you know, obtain that information and watch the match and try to appreciate for what it is, despite knowing the result. So, the thing I think that's cool, if we're actually gonna be doing the norm, sitting in my basement watching it together, you know, drinking a couple cold ones, the difference is I would be actually trying to pay attention, like, okay, how do they actually go about this? Are we gonna get the surprise? Are we gonna get a title change? I think it's gonna be cool because the next day, the next morning, the next night, the next week, I can go re-watch this. I think it's actually pretty cool that, well, at least for me and Ron, you know, the first time we're actually watching one of these matches live, we're actually going to have the best best seat in the house, per se.
1: Yeah, I have not gone back and watched them. I will not go back and watch them. Exactly. So the only Punjabi prison match I'll ever see will be in person. <laughs> but, yeah, I, these segments I, I just don't care about, unfortunately. Well, it was cool to see the cage, but Aaron, I
0: just who, didn't who, care. Who won Taker in uh, Big Show? Taker won, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Listen, Gender. His music's so good. I just want to say that. I
0: watch his entr- entrance. I love his entrance. Yeah. The entrance Donovan's is fire. actually about to incorporate his music into a, a new Perfect Edge. So when he first gets that on, that'll be a feature. Yeah, I'll be listening. I mean, you go from the NWO to Gender Mahal. I mean, that's that's a transition. <laughs> shout as out the lowdown. Love Mahal,
2: shout out the lowdown. Good new
1: kill theme it. song. Killing the theme song. Yeah, I do. I do love the NWO theme. Um, Alo, any thoughts on this? Or are you kind of like me? That it's just whatever.
4: The
3: only reason it was different because he had actually, see, he, he had actually something to talk about, and that was the the um, the prison. That was that. That's the only reason it was different. Like I said for weeks, Randy Orton is trying. He re, he really is trying, and Jinder Mahal. He said something different, but. It's still nothing there. He had more of a point this week, but it's still not quite there yet. I can't wait for this to be over. I really can't.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't even be still going on, but it is. And, yes, hopefully on Sunday it will officially be over. Uh, The most important title on Mm -hmm. SmackDown, maybe in the company. Time out before we do it. Yeah. Productions. Oh, I forgot. That's how much I don't care. (laughs) It's easy to forget.
0: Jinder Mahal. Yeah, clean
2: sweep, I'm pretty sure. Jinder.
0: I knew, uh, driving here, I'm going to go with the... I'll be different. I think Orton gets his 14th reign. Uh, I think they realize Jinder's not ready for it. I could be wrong, and then maybe we'll see Cena and Jinder at SummerSlam. Uh, But I'm going to think Jinder's going to lose the title. Hmm. I just look at it like... He's done nothing else with no one else. He hasn't had a chance to do anything
1: else, but... I just look at it like they they can at least say, well, he's going out there and doing what we're asking him to do. Like, has it been great? No. But I don't think that's through much fault of his own. It's kind of one of those things
0: where, you know, Aaron pointed out the good thing months ago where Oren does his best work when he's invested in it. And if he's actually trying, I almost feel like it's one of those things like when... These guys know they're not going to go over. You see their worst work.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm almost thinking since Oran may know he's going over, that's why he's actually cutting better bromos. So, I'm, you know, that's kind of my point, but I think uh, I think we'll see Orrin leaving
1: Philly with the title. Hmm. I don't want to see that at all. Uh, but I know you don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, US Championship held by AJ Styles being defended against Kevin Owens. Uh, This storyline somehow has gotten completely jumbled up with Nakamura and Baron Corbin. They had a a tag team match that main evented SmackDown. It was a quick match, but I thought it was good for what it was. Um, KO hits the pop-up powerbomb on AJ, gets the pin. I really can't wait to see both of these matches, though. AJ and Owens, you know, is going to deliver... Nakamura and Corbin. Is there I think any that's doubt it's not the match of the night? What AJ the and Oh yeah, that absolutely will be. And I'm really looking forward to Corbin and Nakamura. But Halo, what do you think about what they've done with these two stories?
3: Well, I like the whole Nakamura Corbin thing because they they keep they keep constantly going back and forth to each other, so it's actually a real physical feud to actually buy it because Corbin kind of technically did cost Nakamura money in the bank kind of. In a way, and the whole AJ Owens thing that's been good, like the whole live event thing actually built added a little bit more fuel to it. And why is the U.S. title the most important? Why does everybody want the U.S. title and not want the WWE title?
0: Like, the sh- Nakamura wants it. No, yeah. I'm saying the
3: but the, the that shot was beautiful. AJ was like he would go over the match, and Nakamura just points at the title, mm-hmm. but nobody wants the WWE title. I don't know why. Well,
0: at least the obvious thing is there, and It's bad booking. It's bad storylines. You call it what it is. Styles made it known that last week he's going to move forward and and do an open challenge. So um, Nakamura points out, you know, you're going to do that challenge. I'll be knocking on the door.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so they're teasing, like, all kinds of matches. They're teasing AJ Nakamura. They're teasing AJ Cena. They give you a lot to, like, kind of imagine what what they want to move forward with. But you kind of have to matter who's going to face... Ginger Mohawk but who wants the WWE title Because nobody really wants it anymore. They want, they want, all want the U.S. title.
2: Yeah. Well, everybody knows they can't beat gender, so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I am looking forward to the match. I do think it'll be, probably be the match of the night. It's my, it's the selling point on what, on it's a selling point for the show for me personally, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm still up in the air. I'll decide next coming next couple minutes of who I think is going to win.
1: Prep, any thoughts?
2: Anything that has to do with Kevin Owens, I'm excited for. (laughs) And then this program has AJ Styles, so... (laughs) So even better. Yeah, even better. I saw these guys at Ring of Honor in 2012, both of them in different matches. And uh, to see them on the big stage, I'm really excited for. As well as Nakamura, it's going to be my third or fourth time seeing Mm. him live. And the entrance, I'm sure, is going to be amazing. And having the match with them too, I'm pretty excited for too because I really feel like Nakamura can bring something out of Corbin that he hasn't had.
3: Yeah, I've been I, I meaning to tell you guys this for for a week or so now. You know, somebody on Facebook had the nerve to say Kevin Owens was overrated. Who? <laughs> Some guy in a group. Who in the hell?
0: <laughs> so said that. Some and talking that group. madness. No. So, uh, oh fuck. Oh, we got roasted. No, it was a guy in a group. I'll put this out there. When it was in that square circle group. Jeez. Well, over a year ago when we started this, you know, you, Ron, and I sat around. We went over our Mount Rushmore, and then there would be a handful, three, a Rushmore of wrestlers we like now. I'm pretty sure all of us mentioned Kevin Owens. We all know how great he is. I realized more and more. I think I've realized it for months. In the past two weeks, I was like, I really got to accept the fact Without a shadow of a doubt, I think I've had a hard time saying like mm-hmm. my number one since Punk parted ways with the company of like who's my number one favorite wrestler that's active. It's got to be Kevin Owens. There's nothing he doesn't do good. His in ring work is great. His promos are great. He's maybe the best heel in the company. Mm-hmm. Awesome I, on commentary. I could see the only argument being Miz is a better heel because I actually hate him. <laughs> um, but. Owens, everything about him, from merch to everything, he's great at. Um, I look forward to the match because I look forward to seeing them live. I've been to a few WWE events to see him live. I've seen Owens live at NXT. I I have not seen him in any of the indies live. Um, Styles, I'll make the argument, WWE-wise, he is the greatest wrestler currently signed. So the match is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, Styles, I want to see the open challenge, so I'm hoping Styles retains. That's my prediction.
2: Prep? I think Kevin Owens wins because they already have so much put into this character. Um, They can keep going. It's not going to bother anybody. Nobody's going to be like, oh, I can't believe this Styles and Owens feud is still going on. (laughs) Like... So I just see Kevin Owens winning, like all the merch that they put out with him, with the U.S. US with yeah. the U.S. stuff, like the Tron, all that good stuff. Like I think that he that he wins the title. Owens,
3: Owens
1: regains. I'm kind of on the fence. I was thinking Owens until they tease that Nakamura wants that title, and I I really believe. I've been thinking like, they're going to give us AJ and Nakamura at SummerSlam. Since they faced off by the ladder in the Money in the Bank match, I thought we were getting Nakamura and AJ at SummerSlam. And it makes sense if he wants the belt that it would be for the belt. But that's also a match that does not need any title. It, do- it as doesn't. A selling point. It doesn't. But with the tease this past week, it just, you know. So I'm going to go with AJ to retain. But I would not be at all shocked if Kevin Owens uh, won it. I wouldn't be shocked, and obviously I wouldn't complain. I just say the guy's my favorite act. The rest, of it. yeah. But I just think you know. And Alo, Nakamura or Corbin? Nakamura.
2: Prep. Corbin. Really? Nakamura hasn't eaten the pen yet, so.
1: Well,
3: you, when you don't when you don't your money, the money in the bank, you get booked like crap.
2: <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, but for some reason I feel different, like. Baron Corbin eats a lot of pins, usually, but I think he might win this one. Hmm. I'm
0: going to go with uh, Corbin taking the loss, because typically the people that have the briefcase are not booked well until it's time to cash in.
1: So, for a very simple reason, I'll let Prep be the one that's different. I'm going to go with Nakamura. <laughs> I was hoping you would divide it two and two. No, I didn't think I would need it to be divided. Prep, you get all the credit. If Corbin, I hope, I hope, Prep right. wins it.
2: Just remember, the last pay per view, I only lost one match. Did you really? Yeah, Joe and uh, Brock.
1: Hmm. I don't even remember who I predicted. I think I picked Brock, but I don't remember. Uh, Cena and Rusev in the flag match. Very rushed story, kind of just thrown together. We got the Cena patriotic promo. Rusev attacks him. Can I just say? We we need WWE to evolve past this uh, like nationalism. Yes, please. Like, do they do they not realize that one most of the people in this country do not care about somebody being a foreigner? Like, they're not, I'm not going to hate you just because you're from another place. And obviously, WWE goes to other countries and embraces them. So that was that was the next note I had. Like, not Americans who are watching. You keep talking about how you're a worldwide show that's for the entire world. Why are you trying to make every other country that's watching you out to be the bad guy and we're the good guys? Like, let's evolve past this. I'm kind of just over the, uh, like, nationalistic propaganda on the show. Just be a show about, like, actual heroes, actual villains, tell actual stories. These things are completely irrelevant in 2017. It 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 doesn't make any sense to me. Anybody with any thoughts on this story? I agree. I I, I just hope Six Minute John buries him.
0: (laughs) Do you hope the match is short?
3: Six Minute John delivers (laughs) in less than six, and buries buries Rusev and ends this.
2: (laughs) I think, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I like John Cena's promos usually, but I was like, I sat through the one on SmackDown, and I was like, Jesus, again, the same thing. But, um, I mean, I hope this is one and done. I feel like it is because I feel like John will be moving on to gender, mm-hmm. which means that Rusev is going to lose this, which is not fun, but we'll see. Yeah.
3: Yeah, my, my thing is we haven't gotten a lot of Cena since we started the show because remember when we started the show, he got... After he filmed American Grit, yeah, he actually got hurt. So, and then he came back around June. Then he left after SummerSlam, came back for a month, and then you ain't see him, see him So we haven't technically got a lot of John Cena. And the things we got from John Cena has been the patriotic thing or the or the Hollywood thing. Why am I? I oh, oh, I've always come back. That's what we always got from his guy. I need something new. Yeah. I, I, I really do. Me too. And when he moves with gender, I hope it's still not that whole patriotic thing, but I think it will be. I do too. You wanna
0: to take you wanna take this before me?
1: What the prediction? Yeah. That's fine, I'm
0: predicting Cena. Anything else? Any other comments on the story? No. So I'm I'm gonna take Cena and as much as we always complain about um, bad finishes or leading into a multi man match, this would be the complete way where Cena is getting dumped on it. it If he wins, the obvious, and moves on, it's predictable. If there's a false finish and Rusev maybe looks strong, maybe, what if Rusev wins? Obviously, he looks strong. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you get what months ago you guys, everyone on the network, clamored for (laughs) which which Rusev and Gender Two heels didn't make sense, and I predicted and it didn't happen, but Rusev and Gender didn't make sense. But if you can put Cena in there as a face... Cena puts out a good point. He goes any stadium in the country, he's he gets booed for a good portion. Philadelphia, where the country started, in a flag match where it's not just Cena versus Rusev. You know, they're making it of countries. If this is supposed to be Bulgaria versus America, mm-hmm. so you're supposed to pull for Cena. Recently on Instagram, um, Senor Vargas got uh, Elite Collector got into a, a comment or pointing out how the majority of us in Mad Madness changed our view when John Cena he was re-listening to some of our Mm -hmm. original episodes. So, uh, shout out to Elite Collector for re-listening to Mm -hmm. older episodes. However, at the same point, it's one of those things, I'm not hoping for a, a six minute, I mean, John, in my opinion, talking about John I thought when I got back into the product, his matches were stale. I thought they were boring, they were repetitious. When he did the U.S. Open Challenge, which we've all praised on the show, his matches were different, and his matches had time to it, and they had some great spots. I, we all, all four of us, spent good money to sit where we're sitting for... For battleground, I'm not spending my 9.99. If I'm watching this, I don't want a six-minute burial. I'm hoping this match is good. I've already predicted the United States Championship steals the show. The only thing in my eye that should rival it is, is this? the tag tu- No, oh. is the tag titles. I would love to see S- Cena and Rusev tear the house down. I don't hope Rusev gets buried because if Orton wins, as I predict, if Orton wins the title, well, I would like to see Rusev beat Cena and Rusev get a match. Rusev deserves to be in the WWE title picture already, but I mean how's he going to get there? Beat
2: what everyone's calling as a part-timer. Yeah. Prep? Yeah, I mean I got Cena winning. (laughs) Halo, you already said Cena.
4: Yeah,
3: six-minute John. Burying since
1: 2010. (laughs) Uh, Women's division another match where the whole roster is... Well, not the whole roster. The Miss Money in the Bank and the Women's Champion are not in the match. Becky, Charlotte, Tamina, Natty, and Lana. They somehow ended up with Becky against Charlotte last night. Becky gets the win with a submission, which I was kind of surprised about. And what the hell is going on with Tamina and Lana?
2: Tamina is the worst professional yeah. wrestler right
1: now.
3: <laughs> Remember on Tough Enough when they had to take the splat, take everybody's yeah. one of her splashes and she landed on her knees every time? Mm-hmm. So good. She
2: killed Natalia with that kick. Oh, my God. Natalia's missing all her front teeth.
0: <laughs> is that a bad thing? I mean, we can see a lot of people in pro wrestling hit hard. I mean, yeah. I'm, again Ned this is, likes uh, the strong style I, I do <laughs> I, I'm, Again I, I just pointed the out The queen of strong style I love, mean I, I swear For this episode I pointed out a hundred times Where I'm the only one different I don't hate her I don't hate her <sighs> I, I'm the only one that I think I, I want to see her win I'm going to go I'm going to start My portion of the women's division I hope she wins The five way It is a five way right? Mm-hmm. Yes right. I hope she wins Because one, there's at least a backstory. If you have her and Naomi,
1: let the family
0: ch- angle. The fam- family, they both team to- bad, team bad. That's where the I, w- I want to go. They, they got, you know, channel, they used to be partners, they used to be together. Uh, when Sasha left them, it was them, that's all they had. Mm-hmm. Um, Tamina, I mean, you talk about people that are into the business just because of their family. If people are going to receive something just for being in the family, I'm not saying you should, but with how many years she's been with WWE, over seven, over eight, I don't know. I know she was already with the company when I got back into it, so that's over seven years. She deserves... She's never she never won the Divas title good for her. Uh, yeah. you know, she deserves a women's title run in my opinion. I don't think with the glow up title right now, I don't think it'll change immediately but I would like to see
1: uh, I would like to see her at least one. So you're predicting Tamina. I, I'm predicting and hoping. prep hmm. what, what are your thoughts on this and then your prediction? Well, I know you're really happy about the Tamina prediction, yeah, just by the look on your face.
2: Look, wrestling is subjective, but you're ridiculous. Okay? <laughs> that beer is getting to him. Yeah, <laughs> for real.
0: Tamina, are you kidding I, me? I gave her credit or in the episode before or in shows before. Listen, for so, what? What does she do good? She hasn't been here. Time out. <laughs> She's the biggest one in the storyline. Why does she get squashed all the time? I think she deserves a push. And look, you're talking about tough enough from six years ago. So, what, what are you talking about? You brought up Tough Enough and her giving Splash. That was two years ago. Either way, we're talking about <laughs> something. We're talking about something old. You don't. You think she's still that bad in ring?
1: I wouldn't be against it if they did it because it's the one person everybody going into this thinks. Well, this is the one person who's not going to win. Yeah.
3: To yeah. me, it's my pick.
2: To win? Wait, yeah. is she really? Yeah. Oh wow. I'm who's picking Charlotte. Friend? I'm picking Charlotte. Is she gonna get that triple crown and then. Carmella's going to cash in that, what are you talking
0: about? Then he <laughs> goes to my side. Are you kidding <laughs> me? That,
3: I'm not picking us. i I'm not a Tamina guy, but if, if I think she's going to win, no, I, I think she's going to win. I'm not a guy
0: either, but I'd rather see that than matches I've already seen. Obviously, Lana doesn't need to win it. Charlotte doesn't need the title. Becky doesn't need the title.
2: I feel like if Lana wins, they're just ripping us.
1: Oh, God. It'll be like... <laughs> well, then it'll start to get into like even Marie territory. Where it was like everybody hated her, but they kept finding ways for her to just troll everyone every week.
3: Oh, I could see Tamina knocking somebody out and, have, and throwing Lana on him saying, hey, pin her. I could see that because that's what it's been. Like It's like, come on. Come on, let's go.
1: That's a I don't know. You guys kind of pulled the rug out from under me. I thought I was going to be the swerve and pick Tamina. <laughs>
4: what? Are you kidding me?
1: Yeah. No, no. not oh, me. I catch all this heat for
4: this? Oh my! This uh, picker
1: already, Ron. As soon as <laughs> this Lana thing, I, I was like, "Well, this is the only actual story that's involved in this is this whole Tamina and Lana thing." Wow! Yeah. Wow! 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 So, this one I will split.
3: Yeah, yeah, and everybody wants the everybody wants Lana. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> this one. I, I will, why do you think you
1: didn't get an argument? This one I will I will make split. I will pick Charlotte. Because she took the sub from Becky this week. So it makes sense that they would give her the
0: win. Plus, Smack. uh, Well, the reason I want to say that obviously makes sense, SummerSlam, you're going to want to put Naomi against someone people are going to care about. Yeah, sure. Obviously, you guys don't care about Tamina. Like I said, I was
1: going to predict it. I'd be cool with it if it happened, but I'm just going to pick. I'm fine with
0: it. I just got crucified for it.
1: Uh, Tag division. Not much build. We just had uh, Jimmy or Jay, whichever one it was, beating Kofi. Uh, this should be a good match. Jimmy It'll be a fun match.
2: Listen, this is the the only title match where the main program doesn't even matter, and we're just worried about what Breezango is going to do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to chime in on that. I mean, the Fashion Files are going to get to an all-new high.
1: Mm-hmm. Who yeah. is it? And it all culminates in Philadelphia. Yeah. I know. I don't know who it's going to I have no prediction on who it's going to be.
2: They're going to get one of the biggest reactions of yeah. the night. Well, oh, it's going to be huge.
0: We,
1: we all want to think. I,
0: I, I, obviously, Matt Mattis loves them. you got to assume Philly's going to You Can you please wear a denim jacket? <laughs> it's too hot.
3: Too hot. Well, ron, yeah. well Ron's been lobbying. R- ron
0: the oh, l- If you don't, I will.
3: R- Ron's been lobbying. That I, I just get the cut off vest.
0: That is what I would love. <laughs> Cut off denim vest. So for Father's Day, I got some Macy's gift cards, and yeah. I was uh, looking for some jeans the other day, and I passed some sleeveless denim jackets. Oh. <laughs> so you know where they're at. <laughs> wow. Well, bringing up Breezango, um we got a um, listener question. Mm-hmm. Um, in regards from um, the big cat, Sean Walker, a.k.a. everyone's favorite technician, the mechanic. The mechanic. Um, he says, do we ever see Breezango in a more serious role? Um, obviously, we all enjoy their uh, hilarious segments. However, their in-ring work speaks for their self. I think they don't necessarily need a gimmick change, but they deserve more. What's your thoughts?
1: I don't think we'll ever see them be serious. I do think we'll see them hold the title at some point. It's gonna. It's got to pay off at some point, so... Simple answer, I don't think they're going to ever change them and make them more serious, but I do think we'll see them put in a more prominent position.
4: Yeah, it
3: depends what you define serious as. Like you could be the champions and not be serious, but if you if you mean if, will they be champions, I I think they will be champions.
1: Or maybe all the power goes to their heads of being the the, the police, I don't know. <laughs> I would love I'd... it if they confiscated the belts.
4: <laughs>
2: I want them to be the ones to dethrone the Usos. I think it's only right yeah. after how over they got facing the Usos. Mm-hmm. Like, can we just face it? New Day is always gonna be over as long as they're making everybody laugh. Like, clearly that's why um, WWE isn't breaking them up. They sell a lot of merch. They're always over. Just give it to Brizongo. New Day has nothing to lose.
1: Yeah,
2: I. Um,
0: I- I'm gonna go with the point. You can be silly You can They can continue Fashion files For two and a half years If they win the belts Once Hold them for two and a half years If they win them Seven different times Over two and a half years If you're a champion You're serious In my opinion Yeah um, I think they'll win the titles I hope they win the titles Once a week I pray they win the titles <laughs> um, I think A big Foreshadowing of this Will be Let's see where um, It culminates On Sunday if it leads to a match which is how they're scheduling it i'm guessing they're going to come out whoever is the people that you know originally attacks, uh, attacked attacked um, Tyler Breeze they'll show up they'll challenge them if they go over then we're looking at them moving towards the titles again and i think we'll get it yeah so obviously it all starts on sunday who is it
1: i have no idea it's laugh <laughs> and what if we saw the Lafferty brothers come down <laughs> on Sunday? He did just tell us today, or was it yesterday, that he's going to Battleground? Maybe that's why they're going because they're it would make sense they're attacking Brazil WrestleMania weekend, my best friend
0: got a t- um, a ticket for a fashion violation, and no one deserves more tickets for fashion violations than Joe Lafferty. <laughs> From All State Insurance.
2: Can I please? Can I please just say I can't wait to meet you, Joe. Laugh. <laughs> so, uh, does anybody have a prediction on who
1: it's actually going to be? I mean, it could be—I don't know. It can't be anybody. Who can, can it can be? Can it be the
0: Ascension? No, we don't want. No, to be we already saw that. Can, can,
1: can it be the Vault Villains? No. Cause
0: only one. <laughs> <There's only one. laughs>
2: and he has a match can, on the pre-show. Can it,
0: can it be the um, the hype? The headbangers.
1: It could be, but that'd be weird. Could
0: With be the hypros. hypros.
1: Could be them. But that'd be stupid.
0: Okay. Let's take another guess. Harper and Rowan. Best friend? I have no clue. The Spirit Squad. Oh,
1: There you go. That's something. Harper and Could Rowan. Harper and Rowan be a tag team again? There's nothing for either one of them.
2: It would make sense. I so. Oh, they are on SmackDown. Oh. Mm-hmm.
0: How would you know? Jesus.
2: Because Bray's on Raw. It's a joke. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'd like to answer you your questions.
1: That. But my prediction is whoever it is, they win. Yep. And what about the tag team? Wait, winners? whoever it is? Whoever, no, Brizongo's going to beat whoever they're in there against. Um, New Day or the Usos? Who's going to win? I'm hoping the
0: Usos. Usos. The Usos. Because if New Day wins, we're going to see them hold the belts for 490 plus days.
1: Yeah, I'm going with the Usos too. No need for it to be on uh, the New Day. Fashion X Files was great. The truth is H. Uh, I love the the horse head being
2: in <laughs> in the box. So does that does that give you a clue to what's next? No. I mean, maybe it does. Maybe after we see what happens, I'll know. What but. movie is that?
1: Well, that's the X Files
2: TV show. No, I'm talking about the. Uh, oh, the horse, the horse head, the head, head in the bed.
1: <laughs> so it is Joe Left, <laughs> the Godfather of the Matt Mandoms podcast.
2: Come on, Joey.
1: Wow. So maybe it is him. Yeah, it seems wide
2: esque. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, something Rowan would do for sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Mike Kanellis gets a win over his Yes! yes!
2: <laughs> Listen, okay, can something I explain bad something? you
1: can say about this.
2: Can I please explain something? Anybody who <laughs> thought Mike Kanellis was going to get in the ring and be Mitsuharo Misawa, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> I could care less about his wrestling. He just has to be, like, okay for me to care. This guy's character is hilarious. <laughs> I mean? love this. I no, love it. As a fan? Maybe. And again, I I know
0: who he is. I if I've never seen more than one match by him before Tuesday night, I thought he was good. I didn't I didn't think his end ring work was bad, but maybe the storyline's so good or as laugh and say, Zane carried him. Maybe Zane's that good. There's so much there's nothing bad about the storyline and The thing I like about it is it's a reminder that Sami Zayn is so good. Um, We talked about Nakamura earlier. Nakamura came to the company. There was no one better to put him up against. I'll make the argument, since he's been signed with WWE, his best match has been against Sami Zayn. Yeah. Um, Sami Zayn, if you're bringing someone outside of the company that has a name and if they're going to be on the main roster, put them against Sami Zayn every time. Uh, it's going to get people invested, and it's going to get the absolute best out of them. Um, the rest of our career is in shambles. <laughs> um, Sammy's good. We've made it clear for the last year, um, if you want to make someone heal, put them against Sammy Zayn because who doesn't love him? But I don't think there's anyone in the company that deserves more than what they're getting than Sammy Zayn. The guy is awesome. Yeah, he is.
1: I thought this was fine. I don't love it as much as you guys.
4: What?
0: (laughs) You
3: you didn't appreciate the jacket. Well, her face on the jacket. Yes,
2: it's funny. Her coming into the the ring worried about him. Her her
3: body on the pants. So
2: I I think a a thing that
0: helps sell it, I mean, with social media, you know, and clips you would have seen from, uh, you know, Ring of Honor and New Japan or stuff. You know, she gets involved in matches, and she'll take a bump. That's what I'm excited for. I mean, she's took in triple, double super kicks. I mean, uh, imagine Sami Zayn ready to deliver a,
1: a hell of a kick, and all of a sudden there's Maria's head, and she eats it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying, like, I hate this, or I think it sucks, or I think they shouldn't do it. I just... At the moment, I don't love it as much as everybody else does. I got some chuckles
0: out of it. Listen, one person I've avidly been a fan of, and he's mm-hmm. someone that can go. Um, he's, I, I pray on his career. Sami Zayn does not get the same treatment Dolph Ziggler has gotten. But if Dolph Ziggler was a face, he would be in Sami's shoes. He would be having the best match he possibly could with um, with Mike. But this is fresher it, It's better I'm always invested If Sam, Sammy's in the ring I think more and more Every storyline I like him more mm-hmm. So so that's why I think it's so good you know, The character Parts of both of them Are good It's, it's entertaining it, it, it is good But I think If they put him Against anyone Besides Sammy Zane
1: It wouldn't be as good Sammy deserves credit He definitely does And I think Maybe me say, I'm assuming They gotta be at the show on it's
3: a ma- No, it's a match. They made it official today. So it's a match.
1: You're cool. going to see it live. Yeah. So I just want to hear the theme song. I want to hear the like song. Gonna, <laughs> I was going to say, so just hearing that theme song and seeing it in person may push me over there. Like I said, I'm not down on it or I'm, thinking it's I'm bad. I'm ready to be sitting next to uh, you throwing love. paddles. Uh, I'm, uh, paddles. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not in love with this yet. That's all.
2: You know what's crazy? You guys talk about how Sami Zayn carried him. But in the match, if you go... Throughout that whole match, he played the role of Sami Zayn, the like I'm gonna sell the whole match mm-hmm. and then come back at the end. Well,
0: so like, to point that out, I mean, I I don't. That's why I didn't think nothing was bad about it. Like I don't think he he didn't seem like he he was someone getting luggage carried. Like, no,
2: I mean he's serviceable, but I don't want people to think like this dude's like the greatest wrestler Like, oh, and I'm,
0: I'm, I'm not expecting that I no just, yeah for
2: sure he's like goofy in the ring honestly like,
0: and, and it's one of those things I, I expected because I know where he came from and where he worked in the past I'm not I wasn't expecting anything good I feel like in that match I got more than what I expected so
2: yeah.
1: and real quick last thing Chad Gable interview with Renee Young I thought it was fine, and I hope that they actually
2: do something with Chad Gable now. Can I please say something? Yes. please. I've, been, say wa- what I'm thinking. Gonna I've say. been wanting to say this since the beginning of the Damn, show. Like you're going to beat me to it? Nobody is going to benefit more from Jason Jordan leaving this tag team than Chad Gable. Alright, now. If someone isn't, they may
0: not both get it, but he gets a lot of credit for the show. Chad Jordan... Chad Jordan, <laughs> Jason
4: Gable,
0: the both of them. Wait, what? American <laughs> Alpha doesn't matter. <laughs> Jason Jordan, Chad Gable, are they? Is either of them? Who's
2: gonna be better? Chad Gable. He's already put on two great matches on Raw or SmackDown. SmackDown,
4: yeah.
2: I I definitely think that he's gonna get the mega push. I mean, like I said, at the beginning. I hope I'm not contradicting myself. Mm -hmm. Jason Jordan is clearly gonna get a lot of TV time. A lot of big big (laughs) putches. But I really think that Chad Gable benefits the most from Jason Jordan leaving.
1: I think so. Alo, any thoughts? Gable. Yeah, I'm looking forward to both of these guys moving forward as singles singles competitors. I know we're big fans of American Alpha. We've been Lamenting the fact that they're not really doing anything. Well, guess what? Now they're both going to have something to do. So, I mean, it's worked out for both of them.
0: Styles pointed it out on July Fourth. I mean, how how much fire Gable is on out there?
1: I, I think he's going to have the better singles run. Uh, if I had to put money on it, I'd go with Gable too. He's um, obviously got
0: the more charisma.
1: Last thing, we have one listener question from the Godfather of the podcast. What are your plans for the Royal Rumble?
0: I'm not sitting anywhere. I'm not, I'm not sitting anywhere near him. That's it. <laughs> Go around the round table.
2: Whatever your guys' plans is. <laughs>
0: That's
2: friend? Whoever contacts
3: me first. Uh, come on. i talk to you every day. Whoever right. contacts me first. I'm going. I just don't know what this whole setup's gonna be.
0: Um so I'm, guess, sit, I'm be sitting on my own. I'll be sitting with JVL. Me, yeah, me and a him. Commentary. Yeah, me, me and now nah, I'll be just talking behind him about how messed up the world is. <laughs>
1: uh, that's the show for tonight. Uh, last thing I'll get to: LeBron James. We've been doing a bunch of unsanctions the last week or so. Seat is always open for you. Uh, You're always welcome. So, the king, I'd love to have you on an unsanctioned. Joel Embiid, I wouldn't mind having you either if you decided to do it. We we believe in the process here. We trust it. So, seat's always yours, too. Uh, So, falls count anywhere. Perfect edge. A couple unsanctions coming out. We still have throwback from... uh, Vengeance 2002. Please listen. It was a
2: lot of fun. It was a
1: good show. Yes, Unsanctioned with Ryan Revell and Velvet Thunder. Five star reviews. So, for At2Fly, Eric Trembicki. For Preptagon Jr., Josh Prepaguina. I'm coming for you, Ryder. (laughs) For Mr. Wednesday Night Live, Alo Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery, and we will see you next
0: week. (laughs) Got 'em him now, put him down right now, hit him with the palm handle. Tuning up the
2: band, y'all don't understand. Fist is Superman, it's a summer Slam. Here we go again, fans marking man. Man, I hate my balls, Shut the Vince McMahon. It ain't shake the land, off the cell. Fans love it, ain't hard to
4: tell. Talking madness, awesome, well, what I'm cooking, man. Y'all off the smell.